Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Liberty Libations. My name is Jake Green. Today we have a special guest with us, a potential presidential nominee, Mr. Mike Termott. How are you doing today? It's a great pleasure to be with you. You guys have some ass-kicking introductory uh, footage there. I'm really impressed. A lot of flames. Uh, trying to up, up the production value a little bit. We're, we're going to get all these guys good cameras, too, so they don't look like, uh, you know, Rube gamers. You know? I'm, hey. I'm, waiting on get, I'm waiting on getting that good mic as soon as you may uh, have to say the same thing me. that I say to all my team is that you know there's only so much we're working with here. Don't don't blow too much on the camera. You're you may still be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, Alden definitely feels that way. Yeah, I don't want a good camera, honestly. <laughs> Some well, of us look better with low quality work. Yeah, dim light over here. Yeah. Yeah. What is, uh, so I didn't have, actually have time to get a libation. Is everybody drinking tonight or is it just Alden? No, I'm, I am. I've I'm got double uh, fisting. Yeah. the Angel's Envy tonight. Ooh, Here, nice. Jake, I got one for you. That's all right. Thank you. Yeah, you get wasted for me so I can host the show. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, yeah. if, if, uh, if you were to have a drink with you, what would you be drinking? I would probably be drinking tonic and lime because uh, I don't typically drink past a certain hour. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. Heartburn or <laughs> for real? That was for me. Uh, I, I have learned stuff. over the years that uh, alcohol and I are best going in two different directions. Fair mm -hmm. enough. Fair enough. I've I've kind of discovered that over the last uh, few months as well. I I cannot resist a dark beer. Okay. Yeah. Mine is mine's Guinness. I have a Guinness in the fridge right over there, but uh, didn't have time. And, and you to had the dark beer at the Georgia <laughs> convention. Yes, I did. Yeah, it's fantastic. They have a non-alcoholic Guinness. It's not bad, actually. Yeah, somebody brought it. Buddy brought it to the convention. Buddy, because yeah, Buddy, I don't think drinks. Yeah, I'm just not sure about a non-alcoholic Guinness. That sounds like heresy. That <laughs> sounds wrong. Like, why didn't they rebrand it with a different word? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, I think. I yeah, it sounds offensive to Irish people. Someone's <laughs> tearing apart Dublin as we speak. Like. <laughs> Well, Mike, over. We, now, if they uh, had labeled it as something English, that would be funny. That yeah. would be funny. That would be pretty, pretty dang great. Yeah, a little dig at, dig at their overlords. <laughs> um, Mike, we, a few of us in here got to, uh, <laughs> got to see one of your speeches. Got to see your speech at the Georgia convention. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it was very like personal and intimate in that room. Like you you really almost stood in the crowd um, to give your speech. Um, can you can you tell people just a little bit about like what you're running on and why you chose to run? That's a really nice way of saying they only gave me a small room. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm in it. I think in, in particular, I'm in it because I think that I can help move the party in the direction I believe that we absolutely need to go to take advantage of the opportunity we have. I think we need to run a very professional campaign. I think that we had to lead with, lead with policy. I think that we have to avoid the mistakes that we've made in the past, which is to say we have to avoid trying to seek common ground with, with Democratic and Republican politicians. I believe that we can seek common ground with Democratic and Republican voters, but we should not be trying to seek common ground with their politicians. We need to cleave a hard edge against them. And so I'm running on a platform of the most transformational ideas that in no way, shape or form will be 
confused with anything that'll come out of the mouths of Republicans or Democrats. We call it the gold new deal. We're sort of making fun of the FDR new deal, obviously, and the AOC green new deal, uh, each their own horrific mess. Uh, but we, we call it the gold new deal. We call it a, a reimagining of the relationship between us and government, which is what we believe needs to happen. We believe that we need fundamental change not just changing the politicians at the head of the agencies, but to change the agencies themselves, and in many cases, uh, get rid of the agencies. So our positions and our policies, our platform, very different, not only from other libertarians, but obviously very, very different uh, from the politicians of out outside of our party. Um, just a little bit of libertarian interest. Uh, what, what would be the first thing that you would cut in office? Your paycheck. Perfect. <laughs> I, don't, I don't make much, so that's, that's not a problem. <laughs> All right. Well, we're not going to save a lot of money there. Uh, I think that there's, there's a number of things that, that you have to, to do. You know, speaking of cutting, we need an across-the-board budget control uh, mechanism when I was in the White House uh, 100,000 years ago, we had budget control law in place from 1989 and 1990, and that wasn't a silver bullet. It didn't work perfectly, and obviously it didn't last uh, all that long, but it was a useful tool to try to control congressional spending a little bit. We need something like that back in place so that if people spend too much, you get a cross-the-board haircut, which is a little bit easier for politicians to sign on to. Uh, overspending at the federal level is where a lot of bad stuff comes from. That's where the excuse to tax comes from. That's where the debt comes from, obviously. And that's where the Federal Reserve's uh, monetary policy uh, so often plays an unfortunate role in monetizing all of that overspending. So spending is the, the root of a lot of evil in the government. Specifically, uh, talk about agencies that need to go. Uh, as, as you all probably know, I spent a lot of time talking about getting rid of the Federal Reserve System. And that's because of, first of all, discretionary monetary policy, but their regulatory platform has to go. We have to keep them from issuing crypto, uh, you know, digital currencies. That's got to be stopped. And we need to stop this silly business of them having so much discretion over their balance sheet and bailing out institutions and changing policy as they go. That's all got to stop. So the Fed is a major target right away. Mm. And that means appointing, you know, new governors uh, to the system that'll get it a little bit under control. And then uh, after probably a two year period, you would move <laughs> legislation to replace their monetary policy. So it's a real entangled stepwise process. Other agencies that need to go uh, include, I, you know, as a former cop, I spent a lot of time talking about the FBI because I think that it's in, you know, a fundamentally institutional level mess. You, you, it, it would be hard to argue these days that the problem with the Fed, uh, I'm sorry, with the FBI, there's a Freudian slip. The Fed the and the Feds, the yeah. Yeah, the problem with the FBI <clears throat> Uh, it would be hard to argue it's just merely a matter of who's in charge. You know, if, if you've got problems with trust and adhering to the law and not overstepping your reach every decade, 
at some point you got to say, you know what? It's not a matter of bringing in a new batch of idiots. The, the organization is out of control structurally. So I would break <laughs> it up into pieces. I would send one piece to the Defense Department. I would send one, you know, the... Well, the FBI has been out of control forever, though. I mean, just look at what J. Edgar Hoover did from the start. Boy, There's you're so right. I mean, right from the get-go. Yeah. Right. I mean, he had a file on all the politicians, just blackmailing them, <laughs> get his Absolutely. way, stay in power there. So, you know, right from the get-go, it was set up wrong. Uh, all that political stuff I would get rid of, I would send uh, the bread and butter anti-crime stuff to the states that want to pick it up. And uh, the anti-espionage stuff I would hand over to the defense department if they want to you know pursue it they can uh i don't think that's a silver bullet but at the very least I, you could argue the defense department is less politicized at least today at the moment at the moment right at eight o'clock eastern time the defense department is less politicized than the fbi is <laughs> yeah i would agree um <clears throat> you got to meet uh, had you met chase oliver before uh, the convention yeah, I you know we, we go to a lot of conventions at the same time, so we've we've had plenty of uh, opportunity to to interact. I think he's uh, a good guy. You know, I I like Chase a lot, and he's been uh, very kind and very professional, not only with me but with my family on site. So I appreciate that very much. If uh, if it came down to it, and it was just you two up for the nomination, would you consider a Jello wrestling match with Chase? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, there are just a lot of other people that I feel are more appropriate for me to Jello wrestle with. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <clears throat> for example, if you had asked me, would I Jello wrestle with Donald Trump? I, I got to be. All, uh, that's a yes. I got to be all over that. Interesting. I, I just, like just don't someone. feel, you know. Uh, and to be honest, Jake, I think our party has gone down the wrong direction. The internecine, you know intra-party jello wrestling is not a good look i think that that needs to be uh set aside for for intra inter-party uh okay. decision making gotcha. I, I feel bad because i'm not sure that joe biden you know could go three rounds in the jello mold with me he would just start <laughs> eating the jello he wouldn't yeah that's my opinion on what would happen you know uh, that's, that's a problem but i would go straight for the donald i mean if it were the three of us in there i think you got to go after the donald first because you don't want to be wrestling with the old man when the donald comes up from behind <laughs> what if it's desantis instead he announced yesterday <clears throat> now he's going to be a tough competitor he's you know he's younger than i am he's he's got darker hair Mm. Um, I, I, I gotta say that's going to be a competitor and yeah, you know he's he, he was in the service he was in the service I respect that all day long but you know I was a cop for 11 and a half years so I'm pretty sure I can hold my own in Thunderdome yeah that's a good point also I think he would try to give a speech beforehand and maybe that might just put you to sleep um, so he might actually win, <laughs> win that. He's just so unbelievably boring. That's a problem. Now, I got to ask, too, you know, more about the venue. You know, what flavor are we going with? What color? Oh, interesting. Well, if it were lemon, then the libertarians would have home field advantage. <laughs> Good point. We got to push for lemon. <laughs> lemon. God. That's disgusting. Who's, who wrestles in lemon jello? Yeah, you got to wrestle in. Asbury, that's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, who wrestles Better. that? Oh, yeah, that's the problem is the color. Now it's weird. 
<laughs> okay, now you've gone too far. Well, uh, Mike, yeah, down at the Great Create, how was your experience down there mixing and mingling with all the Georgia folk? Uh, it was uh, it was excellent, it, and I, I do appreciate uh, the label of Great Create in the sense that you could choose, you know, which groups that you wanted to go to, or which speakers you might be interested in. I sat on Reed Coverdell, for example, and and really enjoyed that. Um, you know, it's fun too because you don't see eye to eye with everybody, right? Um, and that's the libertarian way. You go to talks where you know you're going to agree with everything. You go to talks where you know you're not going to. But you, you know, you punch each other in the face and you go have a dark beer on the uh, lawn and watch the umbrellas get blown away by the storm. That's not a convention like most formats, but it's a good time. Whatever you people like in Georgia, I'm willing to go along with it. I went to see uh, John Mons. That was a real treat. I had never met him in person. And so that was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't get to I didn't get to go to that one. I think we were actually having the live Liberty Libations at the time. So that was the thing. Oh, is I, oh, I was I, trying to go to. Sorry, I, I chose the, him uh, over you guys. Now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I tried the uh, I tried to do as many as I could, but and like I looked at the schedule and was like, oh, I wanted to go there, go there, go there, and it ended up being like going to like three or four things total and missing like all the big names and everything just because I was just hanging out with everyone I never see. Yeah, yeah you they interact with everybody. It's, it, it was a lot. It was arguably too much, but that's why it was spread over, you know, a couple of days like that. So I, I thought it was a real successful event. It was an opportunity for us to show people that that we we care first yeah. and foremost, care enough yeah. to be there. Right. I think our message was well, we fairly well uh, received. I, I think mm-hmm. we had a good uh, we had a good couple of days. And like I say, the most important thing is that Nancy had a good time. That's really uh, the bottom line for me. Heck yeah. yeah, I mean, we pulled up a lot of people who aren't even involved in the party there, at least on those on that Friday and Saturday. Yeah. You know, that gave us an opportunity to talk. Uh, you know, I was talking to two guys who were from up in the uh, Sandy Springs, Fulton area and was like, oh, well, you guys should go hang out with these guys whenever they have, you know, their monthly get together and just hang out and come see what's going on. So, Heck yeah. you know, always a chance to recruit and see where people are. And uh, just interesting to see people who, like, you wouldn't expect to find this sort of thing to come, you know, from Sandy Springs. That's what a two hour drive, three hours in traffic. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, you know, a fun convention is a real useful uh, recruiting vehicle. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of states uh, miss that opportunity. Not every state recognizes it as a recruiting vehicle like like you guys do. And for that reason, I think you you guys will be successful in the future. And I hope so, because I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a good melding of like two, like a bunch of different worlds um, and kind of showing, I don't know, there's something about libertarianism. We talked about it a little bit last week, I think, where um, like it's libertarianism isn't easy and you kind of got to earn it. And you like it's 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 helpful to have a bunch of skills, bunch of knowledge and not just be a specialist and stuff in order to be a little more free. Um, and rather than rely on other people to do a whole bunch of stuff for you. Um, yeah, that's that's well said. There is a little bit of an effort there. And you know, the opposite of what I sometimes call intellectual laziness, it's hard to be a libertarian and completely intellectually lazy at the same time. you got to put in a little bit of uh, effort. You can't rely on, well, fill in the blank, what your neighbor's going to tell you, what right. the television's going to tell you. 
uh, what some goofball podcaster is going to tell you, of course. <laughs> I would um, also add like culturally or socially or psychologically lazy too, because it takes a lot of sort of self-awareness and work to be able to be ostracized or to be outside of the majority. And it's we're hardwired as social beings to be accepted by the group. And when you're not, that's a pain point that I think evolutionarily, a lot of people try to avoid unconsciously. Mm, yeah, I think you're so right. And that is well said. It's a it's a real challenge. There are those who would point at our party and say that explains why we have the people inside the party that we do. And that may be right. <laughs> it's, you know, people that are, are prone to to, ha to to having been ostracized. Yeah. Uh, so this is not the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Alden, that that statement about like wanting to be you know, part of the group wanting to be accepted by your community that I think that's a lot of why libertarians try really hard most of the time to focus on local stuff. Because like if you if you're the people in your immediate neighborhood aren't on board with what you're trying to get at, then it's never going to happen for you in that place. So then there's the perception of community. And when we base it on the media and the broader national sort that's of focus of community. Exactly. Then that's that's sort of an illusion of community. And then when you get boots on the ground and you get real things or when you get like the great create and you get people together and you're like, oh, we do have like, you know, common denominator type beliefs and things like that. And I'm that can be really helpful. One. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard you say, Mike, that like people have a lot of people have libertarian leanings and they might not even realize it, you know, until that's they start right. having a conversation about it. Um, yeah. But then they still I, I, vote. I still think that that's really true and, and really important. And you've got to be able to tap into that without pushing them off, uh, you know, with the with the threatening transformational yeah. ideas without backing them up. So you've yeah. got to be ready to explain, you know, don't throw yourself out the window quite yet. Uh, we're not going to take Social Security out from under you, Grandma. But what we what we also refuse to do is to force a son or grandson into a program that promises him a crappy rate of return, no alternative, no flexibility, no option. You know, we're going to start out with an option for him not to participate. You get where I'm going. There's a way to explain these things without it sounding so threatening. And, yeah. and at the same time, tell people, no. Social security is evil. That's why I'm not going to force your grandchildren into it. Yeah, I guess to communicate the ideas in a way that it kind of gets them beyond the platitudes, because there have been a lot of surveys that where the first question is like, generally, do you want to cut government spending? And everybody's like, yeah. But then they go through like 10 different government programs and they're like, well, do you want no, to cut no, this? No. Do you want yeah. to cut that? And they're right. like, no, of course not. We need that. So it's easy to say, <clears throat> it, it's kind of easy to have opinions that are vaguely libertarian, but it's kind of you've got to communicate to them in a way that gets them beyond, like gets them to actually commit to to their um, what their libertarian leanings are. Yeah, that's really well said. That's really important. And the same applies for their congressperson, too. They hate Congress and love their congressperson, which is really uh, weird. <laughs> you know, when it's, when it's, when it's something uh, tangible and right in front of them, they don't have the heart to throw it overboard. But uh, what is that that they say? Like, it's I mean, everyone it's like, else that's the problem, not their guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You can have the least. Nancy successful... Pelosi, beloved by all. <sighs> yeah. 
like Diane, no other job. Well, that's can a get. senator, but Diane Feinstein. Do you see those pictures of her? <laughs> you love her. She's your favorite. I was uh, I was doing a little bit of so. Mike, last week, one of our audience members asked us about Gloria Alvarez down in Guatemala um, running. And so I was doing a little bit of research on her and she had an, she's interesting, an interesting character. Yes, she's super interesting. And she had an interesting approach to like introducing people to like individual liberty. And because she found it through uh, reading Ayn Rand. And yeah. so um, in order to she would not mention anything about freedom, liberty, capitalism, anything with young with like uh people going into college she would say you know go read this book um the fountainhead and uh like this is about a guy who's just trying to like uh do right by his art you know he's trying to perfect his craft lead his life by his own standards the yes. independent thinker yes. yeah without without ever mentioning anything about libertarianism or freedom or liberty or anything like that because sure. yeah um, what, what do we got here? It's like Stockholm Syndrome. Gloria Alvarez is trying to save Latin America from socialism. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I listened to a few podcasts with her today while I was on the road, and I found that approach super interesting. And Shane Hazel, during his campaign in Georgia, said something similar. He's like, when you're, when you're talking to your neighbors, don't say, I'm a libertarian, because that's going to turn them off immediately. Don't sure. say you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. Don't start with the identity problem of that in general, yeah. I would think. Right. Make people work for it to like understand who you are and what you represent in a conversation in general. Yeah, libertarian yeah. goes the same way, though. Yeah, and have it apply to ask them questions about themselves and yeah. figure out like where their biggest issues are. And, and then... build a human rapport in a conversation, you know, yeah. without yeah. the shortcuts like the stamp of things where people assign what other people have told them to think about nice. libertarianism or Democrats or Republicans, not what is actually, you know, they're going to arrive at on their own through the conversation. That is so well said. And we know so many of the buttons to push that people do agree with us on, not the least of which is, for example, uh, our anti-war message. I really believe that most Americans are ready for that in a much bigger way than they used to be. Mm. There are not examples uh, that the American public would point to and say that military intervention was a good idea, you know, in <laughs> yeah. the last uh, 50 years. You know, very few Americans are going to point at Iraq or Afghanistan and say, notwithstanding the thousands of lives lost, hundreds of thousands of lives lost outside of Americans and the trillions of dollars that, that we spent, Notwithstanding all that, that was a good idea. That just is not going to happen. And right. yet, you don't hear Republicans or Democrats delivering an anti-war message. This is common ground with Americans for us that we should be pursuing in a, in a full-throated fashion. You're right. You don't have to say, I'm a libertarian. Uh, just say, you know, you and I are on the same page. Yeah. Uh, you're no fool when it comes to the way our government spends money. And I want to represent those values. I think that's one of the biggest, like, as far as like war goes, people forget and people think that the current war or current, you know, conflict um, will be different. And like, it's been proven over and over and over and over and over that it's always, you're always sold it on a bunch of lies. You're never yeah. told the full truth. Right. People always try to perpetuate Golf the problem. Tonkin, right? <laughs> exactly. 
and so and holy cow right people are always like well we have to go to the ukraine we have to help them and we have to do all this stuff and it's like no we don't we didn't have to do it in iraq we didn't have to you know we don't do it all these places before we didn't have to do it in vietnam exactly yeah it can be hard to recognize when you're in the process of being propagandized because when people are in history class and get taught about propaganda they can think well that's something that happens in the past we're obviously too smart to fall for that now it's different now psychology is often the same yeah throughout and there's certain percentile of people that are more sensitive to recognizing certain things like what was it the milgram experiment like the shock thing or whatever and there was like only like 10 15 percent of people that were like no i'm not going to push that button kind of thing that percentage is probably what they were told (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i know alden you wouldn't push the button if it meant zach getting shocked right well, well, Zach, I would, but no. Right, Zach, you no. might. <laughs> no. Well, right, there was, yeah. There, well, along those same lines, there was like a Netflix special. I don't know if you ever saw that where they tried to uh, convince a guy to kill someone. Wow, what? No. Did you ever see that? No. What? Yeah, it's on uh, Netflix by uh, by Darren Brown. And hmm. uh, yeah, so what they did was like they, they found someone they thought would be predisposed. So like. You know, they had a couple plants, and they brought people in for interviews one by one, like into the room. Was this FBI training? Because it sounds like FBI training. (laughs) No, but so what they were, so the way it started in the interview is you see them, you see the plants sitting there, and uh, you know they were told every time the bell rings, either stand up or sit down. Like based, you know, if you're sitting down, stand up. If you're standing up, sit down. And then like the actual people were brought in, and they'd come in, they'd sit down, and everyone else would stand up, and then they'd sit down, and so they started joining in, and they eventually took the plants out. And brought other people in who had no idea, and everyone was just eventually. And eventually, there's no one in the room. Like the people, so the people who were going along with it without knowing why were the ones that they started selecting. They were the leaders. This was the monkey experiment too. We went. Yeah. Out, we played a whole video. And then, I was going to reference and then, that too. Uh, yeah. And then through the whole course of the uh, of like a night, they set up this whole crazy scenario where like one thing escalates after another, after another, and after another, to the point where it's like you're going to get in so much trouble if you just just push him off the side of the building right now. Otherwise, and, and it'll just be an accident and you'll be fine. And this is and how uh, hypnosis tends to work. I, won't, uh, I won't reveal how this happened, but yeah, it was just this escalating series of events. Yeah. It just an interesting, it is uh, not completely different from how our military, uh, you know, our, our interventionist and projection of power types of policies have, have evolved from one generation to the next. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Keep pushing the boundary. Keep going. You know, you come out of World War II feeling like you're the baddest dude on the block. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, now you're actually looking for enemies yeah. uh, so that you can internally sell your message to the American public to keep the expenditure going. It's pretty, yeah. pretty sick stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yep, for sure. Fabricating reasons for war. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're about 30 minutes in. Um, Zach, I think it's uh, trivia time, buddy. Let's Ooh, let's, trivia. let's roll that sucker. Trivia. <laughs> All right. So you tonight... guys are nothing if not uh, beasts with the imagery. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, sadly, I do not have um, our usual. Zach, you can take the libations trivia off because I don't have anything to present up here. So we can just, yeah, there we go. It's spoken word trivia, yeah. Jake is unprepared. I Sorry. I'm sorry I got stuck in traffic for two hours. That's my bad. Okay. Um, this is how it's going to go. It's going to be only two rounds tonight. 
10 questions the first round, five questions the second round. Um, Are they all worth the same number of points? In the first round, they're all worth one. Second round, they're worth two. Okay? Got and, it. And uh, I'll read off who uh, who's winning at the end of, you know, after every question. All right. Uh, first, first round is all about U.S. presidents. Um, the history of the U.S. presidency since Mr. Mike Tremont is on the on the stream with do us. Do we tonight. shout out our answers or do we take turns? How this no, work? You have to put your hand up to the camera to to get called on. Yeah, <laughs> boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love everybody practicing. This is perfect. <laughs> I always got to find where my camera is. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to reach the wrong spot. <laughs> it's the green light on the top of your computer all the time. Yeah. Oh, I'm Zach, on Zach, the, uh, that's oh, too loud, sorry. buddy. We got to drop it down to five. There we go. Yeah, keep it at Ooh, five. Man. Are we including the Articles of Confederation? Brian asks. <laughs> articles of Confederation and what? The uh, the presidents, like the first. Technically, the first oh. president of the U.S. was named John Hanson because he was the first under the Articles. Okay. That was probably a question, Zane. <laughs> no, it, it probably was not. So these questions. John Hanson. Are, these. <laughs> These questions are brought to you by ChatGPT, um, and we're really? gonna dive, yep, we're going to dive right in. Which U.S. president served as the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court after leaving office? Zane Taft. Oh, oh my God! Wow. Yep, Zane got a point. Did you hold up your hand? He did. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he was fast. Oh, I got beat because I was too slow. <laughs> I yep. haven't met Zane in person. I knew and... Taft. Taft was a Taft was a friend of mine. <laughs> I, John Taft. I think Zane is Chat GPT. I don't trust him. I don't think he's a real person. I I would almost do that agree. that fast. He's just that good. It's it's kind of embarrassing for everybody else. So, on to okay, question I'm two. I'm gonna have my hand ready to go. Can I do That's two right. hands? Fastest yeah. hand yeah. in Virginia. Whatever works for you, I'm a fan of. So. Um, who was the first U.S. president to be born a U.S. citizen? Hmm. Zane. Uh, Van Buren. Zane is get Zane got. Oh my goodness! Is that true? Jeez. Zane's Zane's an ass. Zane's gonna be banned. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, we're gonna ban born Zane a U.S. Yeah. Oh, so he had to have been born after after the, the Declaration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. how would you figure that out on such short notice? You'd have to I know how old they were. I knew it cold. <laughs> All right, question. This is three. how trivia goes every time. Yeah, every time. This is terrible. Yeah. Which, oh yeah. Which president's wife served as both first lady and acting first lady during his presidency? Acting first. Lady. What does that even mean? You figure it out. I yeah. Okay. I guess. Hey, Zane, Can you know use it in a sentence? <laughs> This is just a weird. It's a weird. This is, like a lot, this is like a logic puzzle. No, Mike. Lincoln. Nope. No. Alden. Clinton. No. no. I'm just throwing things out. Zane. Wilson. No. Nick, you get to go, buddy. <sighs> um, let's. Uh, shit, I'm trying to think who it would be. Uh. Yeah, everybody's trying to think who it would be. I, 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 I lost. I lost my answer. I had something that made no sense, but let's go. Uh, uh, Andrew Johnson. I don't know. The answer is oh. Grover Cleveland. His wife, Frances Cleveland, was the youngest first lady and served in both roles during non-consecutive terms. 
Hmm. What is What's that got to do with being acting first lady? Yeah. She wasn't married the first time to him. I, I believe I believe that's correct. Mm. Oh. I think, yeah, I think RK is right that she was his cousin. <laughs> she was his cousin and then she was his wife? I believe that's correct. <laughs> There's was... no, no way RK is correct on that. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure RK is rarely wrong. So. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's right about that. I should have said Trump because acting, you know, like not really wife, oh, like cool. male order. I figure it was yeah. acting because it was someone who was assassinated and she hung in there after he was gone. I thought that as well. And then apparently, yeah, not the case. But <laughs> I was also trying to think of who uh, who was before Buchanan since he was the only bachelor president. But um Oh, is he guy. really the only? Yeah. 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 Rumors are he was gay. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Those All are right. the rumors floating. And a strong there. argument for it. All right. Yeah. Question four: Who was the first U.S. president to be impeached? Oh, um, Zane. Clinton. Wrong. No. Nick. Oh shoot! That's uh, Andrew Johnson. Nick got it right. Andrew Johnson. Ah. I knew that. <laughs> I nice. <forgot. laughs> All right, question five. Wick's daughter served as his White House hostess because he was a widower. I missed the first part of that. Which yeah. president's daughter served as his White House host hostess because he was a widower? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think it was Chester Arthur. Wrong. Nick? I don't even know who uh, Chester Arthur Andrew is. Andrew Jackson? Wrong. <laughs> you just keep saying it. No, I said Jackson this time, not Johnson. Oh, oh. Zane, go. Teddy Roosevelt? Nope. Alden, you you're, you get uh, 10 seconds to answer. And then it opens Are you back sure up. it wasn't Chester Arthur? I'm sure it wasn't Chester Arthur. John Adams. I don't know. I have no idea. Nope. Open to the floor. Y'all have 10 seconds. Nick. Uh, 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 Jefferson? <laughs> I don't know. Thomas Jefferson. Nick got it right. Yeah. Was he? His, Did you look it up? His daughter, no. Martha Jefferson Randolph, fulfilled the role. Um, Zach, you can pull up the... Uh, if you want to. I didn't up even know he was ever president. Or no, Franklin was never president. <laughs> yeah. was never president. Oh, Alden. Jefferson this is how much I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm an artist. I don't know. All right. Next up, number six. Who was the only president to have a PhD? That looked like Mike. Oh. Yeah, I think I was oh, there. No, it, was, it was Mike. It was Mike. Sorry. I, I saw Mike. Wilson. He is correct. Woodrow Wilson. Coincidentally, our worst president well. of all time. It's you not think? a coincidence. If you've got a PhD, <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> I, I think he's right. I think it's not a coincidence. I'm going to go with that. All right. Num question number seven of round one. Which I'm president... inviting everyone to check out my bio on MikeTremont.com. All right. All right. <laughs> which which <laughs> president holds the record for the shortest time in office? This is an easy one. Oh. Zane. Harrison. Nailed it. Yes. Yep. Was he the one stuck in a bathtub or is he the one that got the bad cold on uh, Inauguration Day? He got, he got a cold, cold like he died like 30 days in. Yeah. 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 I, wow. I, because of Inauguration Day. Yeah. I heard that the story so. of him catching pneumonia at his inauguration is actually a was... myth, and that oh, it was really? actually unrelated. Huh. Zane, how do you know this level of detail? Zane, you're banned. He knows the story, and he knows the backstory that no one else knows. He actually died of COVID. 
that's a whole different story. <laughs> uh, Zane has to go backstage from now on when we do trivia. Uh, that would be that would be more fair. Maybe he should write questions. Maybe yeah, maybe Zane should yeah. be in charge of trivia. So that... on inauguration day, they vaxxed him, and thirty days later, he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get us kicked off YouTube. That's okay. Uh, We're gonna get kicked off YouTube. We've done it before. Oh, Jake's gone already. Yeah, right. Jake. <laughs> Here we go. Question number eight: Who was the first U.S. president to be born in a hospital? What? Yeah. Zane. Uh, I'll go Gerald Ford. Nope. Oh, it's got to be someone earlier than that. Let's go Calvin Coolidge. Nope. FDR. Nope. FDR. I was going to wealth there. Yeah, fair. Alden. Lincoln? Nope. I was born in Log Cabin. Come on. (laughs) Ten seconds, yeah. Lincoln was neither born nor died in a hospital. Zane. That's fair. Richard Nixon. No. Good time period, though. Really? Oh, no. Really? I'm way off. Nixon's uh, the right Carter. time period? What's that? Nixon is the right time period? Yeah. That's Nick, Nick, I think you got it right. What'd you say? I said, Jim, I said Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. When you said the time period, that's what came to mind. But I would never have guessed. <laughs> that's, I can't believe it's that late. That's incredible. Crazy. All right. Question number nine in round one: Who was the first president to be born to be born outside of the original thirteen colonies? Oh, Zane. Tap. Uh, Andrew Oops, Jackson. Sorry. Andrew Jackson is correct. Oh, is that right? Yep, he got it in two seconds. That is just so stupid. This is. I mean, I got to come up with. I got. Well, I just really got questions about movies so that Zane doesn't get anything right. <laughs> I was going with Ohio there, and uh, no, Jackson's a good guess. I don't remember where Jackson was born though. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Yes. He was actually born in Tennessee. No, he was yeah. born in North and South. He was wait. Kentucky. Interesting. Tennessee. He was born in the Waxhaws region. Oh yeah, so it is Tennessee. On the it's border. what is now Tennessee. Just on the other side it's of the border. It's what is now Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Now, here's great trivia. Both of my Labrador Retrievers crapped on the lawn at uh, the Hermitage. <laughs> Perfect. Noted. <All> right. <laughs> Just saying. For All a right. future round, yeah. yeah I'm going I'm to say that. Future round. <laughs> which, which libertarian candidate had his dogs at the Hermitage take a crap because he was in a hurry? <laughs> All right. Uh Final question of round one. Who was the first U.S. president to be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize? Mike. Obama. Nope. Nick. Uh, Let's go Clinton. No. Zane. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt is correct. Really? The Nobel Peace Prize? He received the Nobel Peace Prize uh, in 1906. For For what? Kicking the most ass in the Caribbean? It for was Parks a treaty for uh, ending the Russo-Japanese War, I believe. Oh. That is absolutely correct. Good Lord. Wow, yeah. that's good trivia. I didn't realize that. Yep. I like how they put it up there every time I doubt it. Someone says, <laughs> don't doubt it. It's true. <laughs> All right. After round one, Zane has five. Nick has three. Mike has one. Alden with a big goose egg. I have and none. Nick- 
the audience has a big goose egg as well. <laughs> as long as we don't lose well, this the is, this is I'm doing worse than I thought I was doing, even. <laughs> well, you may have gotten answers right. You just didn't get them quick enough. Oh, oh. I thought I had one, but no. who's counting? Who cares? You didn't, I promise. I, yeah, apparently not. <laughs> All right. Here are some. Uh, so round two, two points per question. Five questions. And these are very libertarian based. Who is considered the father of modern libertarianism? How could Nick, you even have an answer to Rothbard. that? Rothbard. Murray Rothbard. What do you mean, how could you have an answer to how, that? How could you have... There's there only is, one real answer. There are 10 or 20 different people that could lay claim to that title. They yes, could lay claim that he's really. considered, okay? That's yeah. so obvious. That's, a, that's an interesting point. <laughs> all right, well... Not all of these have like ultimate finite answers. All right, we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it with that. You have to guess right. what's in Jake's head. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Or Chat GPT. Or head. Chat. I was gonna yeah. say Chat GPT's head or head. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Question number two: Which economist is often associated with libertarian principles and is known for his advocacy of free market capitalism? Mike. That's like <laughs> Mises. Sure, that's correct. There's like 15 answers to that one. <laughs> you can't be wrong if you said Milton Friedman. You cannot be wrong if you said there is a road to serfdom. Yep, yep. No, Elizabeth I, Warren. I, I have like three or four. Elizabeth Warren is a great one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hang on, I gotta ref I gotta find the question again. Uh, here's quite, here's a, a bit of a trivia that is even more worthless than my dogs cramping at uh, Jackson's <laughs> home. Uh, I once uh, spoke to Liz Warren on the phone to invite her to uh, speak at one of my conferences. This would have been in the late 90s because I wanted my... Now, this is not how I sold it to her, right? You I was very respectful a, with her, of course. You wanted an authentic Native American... I was uh, about to say the same thing. <laughs> That's what I was going for. I wanted someone who would join me in camping on Jackson's front yard. No. Uh, the way I sold it was very respectful, but the, the way I sold it to my business partner was we want to show our attendees how bad Washington really is when they come after us with regulation. Uh, it was a conference for financial services professionals, for bankers, and most of our attendees did not believe me how bad Washington was. And I wanted to bring her on and just, <laughs> you know, just do your thing. You just tell them what you <laughs> want them to hear. And I figured they would get it. And she she declined. She said that she couldn't make it. She was very professional and gave me a, a good substitute. Well, that's good, I guess. At least she was professional. AOC has a degree <laughs> in economics. This should disturb you. Goodness <laughs> gracious. That... It disturbs me that you know that. <laughs> All right, question number three. Who is considered, considered, Zane, who is considered the father of classical liberalism and an influential figure in the development of libertarian philosophy? Zane. I guess I'll go Hayek on that one. Wrong. Milton. No. Oh, think older. Much older. Nick. Uh, John Locke. John Locke is the correct answer. Really? Yeah. That's and an I don't even think thing. there's a... I don't think there's a debate with that one on it. I mean, I think there somebody could try to debate it, but honestly, he like a lot of what he preached founder and, and father. About, yes, as long as you couch yeah. it that way, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, that's um, let's see. 
sorry. Um, in 1972, which country became the first to elect a libertarian political party to parliament, challenging the dominance of the two major parties? Alden. England? Nope. I heard parliament, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair. Fine. Australia? No. Nick? That's what I would have said. Uh, Canada? Canada. <laughs> I, no. I thought I was the only one who said that. Not Canada. 72. Yeah. All right. Is Parliament being used generically here, or is it no? He would use he would use the correct word. Yeah. Yeah. Never question Chat GPT. Right. Hmm. Let me make sure it is. You see, the thing is, we're looking for a country that doesn't have, uh, you know, five parties. It doesn't necessarily have to be English speaking. It could be uh, Northern European. I'll give you a hint. Actually, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna give you a hint. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got ten seconds. Nick. It's not India. Uh, I'm gonna guess France. I don't know. No. Closer though. Alden. Closer. Oh well, if it's close, I was gonna say New Zealand, and that is not close to France. So. Uh, that's not. not close. <laughs> no, it's not the right time period for. I have no clue. Uh, Portugal. No, and what'd you say, Zane? Italy. Nope. The answer is Switzerland. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't have known. Yeah. I mean, how would you? That's... How many nations have a, a parliament, even? Dozens. Yeah. Most of them in Europe. Yeah. Really? Almost everyone. I mean, I'm not surprised that I don't know this. So. All right. We're going to see how far into this question I can get before a camera is covered. <laughs> Which philosopher and novelist is known for her advocacy of <laughs> Zane? Grand. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. I want to. I, I, I want to review the tape on that. <laughs> My hand was coming in from the side. <laughs> All right, y'all. At the end of two rounds, we have Zane with seven. We have Nick with seven. We have Mike with three. We have Alden and the audience tied for nothing. Woo! <laughs> so I don't know. This game gonna... sucks. Yeah. No, you're not. It's you're rigged. not wrong. This this game is uh, very mediocre this week. But I must say that Nick and Zane are quite good at this. E yeah. e even when I know the answer, I can't get my hand up there fast enough. And that's yeah. That's I keep it right here. That way, way, I just yeah. Nick, I basically I go ahead, Zane. I played a lot of quiz bowl in high school and college, so oh, I nice. got that reaction time down. What was yeah. that? What was that? I one get in, it. Sporkle. That oh that yeah, sporkle was like yeah the list cool. and stuff. Yeah, Sparkle is great. When you said you were going to do trivia, I was like, oh, man, I'm excited because I'm usually good at, like, really random trivia. Like, what's a rhino's horn made of or whatever, but not political trivia. I am Carrot so down. bad with political okay, trivia. Okay, that's good to know. I'll, I'll have I'll have three rounds next week where we do completely random. We'll now, do didn't movies. you say that uh, whoever wins gets to pick, what was it, the theme for next week? Or? The topic, yeah. yeah. Topic. So Nick and Zane both get to pick a topic for next week. Since we apparently I'll never pick. Decide, <laughs> one of them gets round one. One of them gets round. I mean, they tied. It's well. This is awkward. So it's, for for the for the trivia, it's not necessarily based on on the theme. Um, we generally have three topics that we cover right off the bat. Um, but when we have 
Do you have a guest lined up for next week? No, no, not yet. At least not that I know of. Zach might have somebody lined up. Or I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie no, might no, have he's... somebody lined up. <laughs> I'm going to do yeah, just like that? a sock puppet show. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I'll just have my second camera and just have my hand, you know, be talking as our, sec- as our special guest. Yeah. When there is no what guest, you gotta do? we're just left to our own devices to vamp for two hours and nobody wants that. No one wants that. What you got to do, Jake, is uh, have a tiebreaker question that uh, is numerical. The sudden death. The question. answer wins. Okay. Uh, that way, someone almost always wins. Because <laughs> tying is for losers. All right. Uh, now you just have two losers. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm thinking of a number between one and ten. <laughs> Five. <laughs> Saying it. Saying it, Nick. Okay. What's your What's your guess? Alden, then? you're not going to let us participate. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't even try. I think the, the, the optimal move here is to go with five, especially if you go first. Because if you go second and you guess, and the first person guessed on the low end, then you just guess one higher than they did. Yeah, if you go first, you should always guess five because then it's a 50 50 shot. Whether you know the, the answer was seven, so Zane gets to pick. See, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Mike, thank you for you participating should, in our ridiculous. Uh, you should go event. zero to ten, so that there's not a middle. You know. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Uh, if you don't include zero, well, you got to make up your mind whether you're including ten. Also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Brian. Brian. Brian's got point. a nice number there. <laughs> Oof, yeah. I guess I could go decimal points, but I picked well, pi. You, you, know, you said any number. You didn't even say it had to be a rational number, much yeah, less. Yeah. 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 My bad. Yeah. Not the bad, golden yeah. ratio. Look, y'all saw one point six one eight, or y'all saw the yeah. quality of the trivia. So I don't know why you're expecting me to have all this stuff, you know, nailed down. Dialed the trivia in. wasn't bad. Just because I didn't get any of them right doesn't mean that I'm resentful. <laughs> didn't you get? I thought you got more than me. I I got <laughs> apparently nothing. So yeah. I'm here for comedic relief and just to make everyone else feel you know, better. I got them, three so. points. Speaking uh, of. Uh, you know, Speaking of the only reason relief. I was relevant was making these two tie. I, I forced the runoff. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, no. Typical libertarian position. There we go. I love it. What a horrible parallel. We've got a uh, friend of the show, Captain in Kapistan from Twitter, uh, asks the question to you, Mike. Uh, would you rather fight 20 house cats or 10 porcupines? Wow. Uh, I think you got to go with the 10 porcupines because at least you'd have respect for them. (laughs) Yeah, the cats will destroy you. You don't want to fight 20 cats. That's crazy. You don't want to fight 20 cats. And and, and look, even if you did win, who are you going to tell that story to? Yeah, (laughs) I I beat 20 cats. Man, that doesn't carry a lot of water. But I picked the (laughs) ass of 10 porcupines and be like... Dude, let me buy you a beer. Yeah. <laughs> that is a much better story. No one gives a crap if you fought off 20 house cats. <laughs> right. Your girlfriend's going to hate you. Yeah. And, you know, your brother is going to think you're you're pretty pathetic. Yeah. That's very true. Um, yeah. So I mentioned earlier, Mike, that we uh, one of the things that we were told to research by an audience member was Gloria Alvarez. What do you know anything about her? Like, do you have an opinion on her and what her? No, not really. I've seen some of her stuff. And so I have every every respect. You know, Latin America is a place that has been in trouble for 
Uh, I guess I would argue for uh, three generations now, ever since soon after World War II. No, I'm not old enough to remember the 50s. Uh, but it has been in trouble. And one thing that you, you see about Latin America is that it is a place with deep social contagion. Ideas spread from one nation to another, and that's in a good sense and in a bad sense. Uh, you know, the revolutions of the 19th century were an early and primary example. Uh, there was some capitalism that actually took hold in the first half of the 20th century. And then uh, socialism took hold thereafter. Most people don't. Uh, this is something for your trivia for next week. Most people don't realize uh, that Argentina, for example, was I believe it was the fifth wealthiest nation in the world on a per capita basis mm. uh, around 1920. And it took a deep, deep dive coming out of World War II when socialism start to, started to spread. And the reason I mention this is not just to say that Latin America is and has been in deep trouble, but a personality like hers is something that I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, how this chapter plays out. If, if she can catch fire, uh, she can do a lot of good. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we need to be optimistic, even though I know it seems like good well, things happening politically are few and far between. Let's be candid. Yeah. But uh, if it is truly analogous to <laughs> addiction psychology, you've got to reach rock bottom and admit you have a problem before you can climb your way out. And Angelo is exactly right. She is fantastic. And for this reason, we need to be praying for. Her. Yeah. Well, I, th I think we're seeing some interesting things in South America. I mean, uh, Central America like that. I mean, we've also got El Salvador, which um, their embrace Currency. of Bitcoin is interesting. Um, you know, Bukele, I go back and forth on him because I don't know if I agree with his methods or what he's doing but el salvador has had so many issues you know gang wise and everything else yep that you know is some of that necessary there to get the crime under control get the you know get the killers off the streets i don't know but well at rock bottom um, if there's anything that that government should be doing and we can all argue about whether the answer to that is yes or no whether government should be doing anything at all but unless you're just an absolute stone cold you know zeroed out anarchist and if you are i respect that all day long but if you put your hand down i'm so sick of seeing your hand go up faster than anything else no good for you i really do respect you that me all both. day long but if if you're gonna have a government and they do uh the one thing that you want your government to be able to do competently is keep you safe uh, it is true that the government of the United States was put together to protect your rights. And a piece of that is protecting uh, from the government. And a piece of that is to offer a criminal justice system. I do believe you could develop a criminal justice system uh, in, in a private sector mentality. But as soon as you decide people are going to come together for the purposes of agreeing on a criminal code, for example and hiring people to enforce that, that is definitionally public sector. Mm. If there's anything that you want your government to be able to do, it's to keep people safe. And, and for this, uh, the government of El Salvador has fallen flat on its face. 
And as much respect as we have for some of the other reforms they're trying to engage, it doesn't come to a hill of beans until you can stop, you know, people from having a reason to flee uh, because it's the only way they think they can keep their family safe. So I've heard you, Mike, talk about like the drug war in our country. But do you think that in Central and South America, if we were to here end the drug war here, would that have a ripple effect down through South America? Well, absolutely, it would in the sense that we would be taking away their bread and butter. Uh, you know, economically, we'd be taking away what it is the gangs live off of. Right. Uh, you know, we have extended our our police state abroad in the sense that the U.S. government has pressured other governments into fighting. Uh, boy, there's reason to look uh, into fighting <laughs> the uh, cartels that manufacture and distribute and ship drugs elsewhere. And so we have our own, you know, miniature versions of the war on drugs in an American style all over Latin America. Right? Yeah. And we create black markets the same way there that we do here. And it becomes very, very dangerous. And that's the problem in El Salvador. The problem is not drugs per se. The problem is the black market. Yeah, per se. exactly. And. You know, it, it could be a black market in Twinkies. It doesn't really matter. But once you whatever is made market, illegal. Yeah. Anytime you make anything that's that the culture is not ready to give up, but that you decide to make it illegal, uh, you're trying to swim upstream from policy to culture. That doesn't work. And that's where black markets come from. Yeah. Well, I, I've never seen a politician with that kind of hair. So I'm, I'm interested to see her. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, look at that. It's very interesting. That doesn't look like somebody running for president of a country. Oh, and um, maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, maybe not. Um, speaking maybe of interesting candidates, thing. what are, uh, you know, RFK Jr. has been in the news quite a bit. Um, he went yeah. to the Bitcoin conference, uh, gave a great, Speech I thought his talk yacht. at Bitcoin was was excellent. I thought he was I right on point. Yeah, I'm sorry Although, he's not a better public speaker, but his concepts. We were talked right about on that point. exactly. That's basically what yeah. we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and yeah. it's not just uh, his voice. I mean, we all recognize that he's got a voice problem, but right. I think that we could look past that a little bit. Uh, he's not a good public speaker in the sense that. Uh, he's not engaged with his audience very well. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, for this reason, it, it comes off dispassionate. Mm. And I don't believe that he necessarily is. If he has any of his father in him at all, he's a passionate guy. Yeah, he just lacks charisma, unfortunately, which in this country is, you know, a big thing to come back from. I mean, in every country. You guys, like, you have to you have guys charisma. Heard, uh, you heard that... Uh, He's speaking at Porkfest and tried to get them to ban guns from uh from his talk. Really? Well, that's not going to go over well. <laughs> that didn't go over well. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I won't be seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, it's not the best thing to request from a libertarian festival. Like, well, well, not only just that, but I haven't been there. But they open carry ARs there. I mean, like well, of that's course they do. What I hear. Uh, it's it's dumb from a policy standpoint. Uh, and it's dumb from a political standpoint. There's two reasons right there. 
Yeah. But yeah. it's also dumb in the sense that do you really think that's going to get enforced? <laughs> right. No one's going to enforce anything about I mean, that at all. Who's who's the dumb bunny who's going to volunteer for the job of telling everyone not to bring their guns in? Yeah. You know, no one. Not not one libertarian would volunteer for that. Not job. at Borkfest. You're just going to get shat upon for know your audience. Entire not time. a smart Democrat would volunteer for that job. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I think my internet's skipping out a little bit. I'm glad we have Zach or Jamie. Sorry, producing for us. <laughs> uh, AKA I don't know why Jamie. Him Zach. I think our internet out in the sticks in Oklahoma is uh, getting spotty right now. So if I if I you know, zone out and if I can't do anything, uh, the Zach, other problem uh, before you leave the RFK concept, uh, and we do all appreciate his attitude toward. Uh, collusion between the government and businesses uh namely big pharma recently like yeah particularly in the vaccine space and then the pharmaceutical space uh his anti-corruption stances we all appreciate that very much the problem with rfk is that he's fundamentally a statist and Mm. i i mean that in the most loving sense right yeah you know he's a good government type he wants government to work better he doesn't want to get rid of it right I saw it, I saw I uh, tweet from well what you know what interests me is I think he's coming around a little bit but on the environmental side because that's where he's been for so long um, yeah and he said some really really bad things that you know looking yeah. back on it wasn't he it like seems an like EPA he's come around well yeah. He, yeah well he said things like you know people who deny climate change should be jailed things like that um, oh wow okay this was like 2018 and you know people in our circles keep bringing it up and i keep you don't have to saying, be a hey. zane type anarchist to hate that <laughs> right <laughs> but I, I keep i keep going back to it and i keep saying you know i'm like hey you know some big things have something really big happened between 2018 and now um and then i saw today gene epstein tweet at uh alex berenson because uh i think they had a discussion back around 2018 where he said some of this and Gene Epstein, I saw this today, tweeted at Alex Berenson saying, Hey, get RFK on RFK Jr. on and see if uh if what he said he still holds up to, which would be fair. I mean Yeah, I, heard, thing, I saw an interview he did. That with, is fair. Uh, Gene Epstein is gonna be at Pork Fest too, by the way. Oh yeah. I think it was I think it was an interview with who Kim Iverson that he did a couple weeks ago. And when asked on the environmental stuff, he he said the free market was the answer and we don't have a free market and that he doesn't know a polluter who wasn't subsidized and that's been mm-hmm. his first move is to yeah. cut the subsidies. And I'm like, there's nothing objectionable to that at all. He is I mean. very, I mean, he's very interesting, like in a lot of <laughs> regards. And like one of, one of the things that he has said out loud that you will not hear a single other person who's run for president in either of the major parties over the last, I don't know, ever, is that if you show him the evidence, he will change his mind. And he's open to changing his mind at any given time. That's um, fair. But fundamentally to have the stance like with like he doesn't want to be opposed for his views uh, against the vaccine or whatever. But then it's OK to say that you want to jail someone for saying something against uh, climate. Well, no, my, my, my point, so my point was that he's people change over time. And I don't think people forgive enough because the Internet is forever. And so, like, if you can always cite something from five years ago, even if that person has and drastically evolved. in those There was kind of years. a very, very big event that happened between 2018 and now that, uh, <laughs> you know, may have changed a lot of people's minds. So yeah. I'm open to a lot of things. Yeah, my nephew was born. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that was that the, was the, the whole world. That's what we were referring yeah. to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. But you got to hold up your hand first and say, "My nephew was born." Oh here. yeah, no, my yeah, my nephew. Uh, was all born right, here. sorry. We're gonna we're just gonna put that. The other up. thing <laughs> worth mentioning about RFK, though, and I appreciate what Jake said about willing to change his mind with with information and with data. The problem with a, a guy like RFK, who I really do believe is a good guy, right? But is a statist is always looking for a way to make government better. Mm. He's going to naturally be a data guy, it, it, not a, not an ethics guy, a principles guy. So for example, if you were to show him data that said, uh, if we took away everyone's guns in Maryland, uh, we would save lives and he would say, okay, let's do it. Right. That's the that's the problem with being a good government guy driven by data. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. who's presenting the data and how do you skew the data? And there's a bunch Yeah, of... and, and looking for well, government. Okay, but well, let me give you another example. Yeah. Let's uh, let me exaggerate to make my point. Sure. If okay. you had a vaccine that was perfect. Okay. Meaning there's no side effects. Right. It's going to save your life. 100% efficacy against transmission and blah, blah, blah. And like, if you don't have it, you're going to die. Okay? Right. So it's a perfect vaccine. And we have 400 years of data. <laughs> and all of the data is perfect, locked in. Everyone who has it is fine. Everyone who doesn't have it dies in a week. Mm -hmm. You still wouldn't have the right to tell someone they have to take it. I agree, though. Fundamentally, though, the on a principle level, I agree. Let the data speak for itself. Let people choose. Between you and RFK two, yeah. RFK two would be a data driven guy who would say, "Bend over, you're getting the vaccine." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then infringing on a number of other rights and privileges, like along the way, and yeah, yeah which is. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead, Alden. I was just gonna say it's like the creating five problems to solve one. And that's why principle thinking is so important is to try to like eliminate that effect, you know, exactly. but, as soon as you abandon like your principles and as soon as, as soon as you abandon the whole principle thinking and basing your decisions off of those sound fundamental principles, every mistake you make, you're going to have to compromise another one of your principles to try to correct it. And you're you never see... going to be able to catch up. I think of this sometimes as an example or like a good, like, you know, kind of a metaphor for this when there's like, Oh, we have this invasive species and they're like, let's bring in this other invasive species to eat that species. Exactly. And they're like, Oh shit, that now they're, great eating, example. they're eating all this other thing. And it creates five other problems. And they're like, now we need to burn the forest to get rid of this thing we brought in <laughs> to solve the problem. That's what policy is half the time that I see in, in, in that style of thinking. Anyway, it's yeah, I agree horrible. with you wholeheartedly. And you know, uh, a lot of people loved his dad and for good reason. I mean, you talk about a passionate guy who wanted to do the right thing by, by fellow Americans and for no other reason than the, than they were fellow Americans. Right. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And, and was so motivated, so talented, so smart, so passionate, but he was coming at it from a wrong angle. And I don't know that you can blame him for that. I mean, he went to Harvard so he's starting with one foot in the hole. It's yeah. a deep hole to climb out of. A, like a cultural hole. Like, yeah, like a way of thinking very much. Yeah, yeah, just locked in on how do we wield the 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 tool of government 
in the most effective way to help the most people possible. That's just where he comes from. And I think that RFK is the modern version of that, which is yeah. to say someone who has learned over time that the government colludes, that it's corrupt, that it does a lot of things wrong, and he's here to fix it. RFK is like Boromir, where he wants to use the ring for good, but it cannot be used for good, you know. Like, that is freaking perfect. Wow. Freaking you freaking perfect. nerd. <laughs> he wants to use it. Yeah, that's worth save eight points people. right there. He gets All to right. name the topic next week. <laughs> <laughs> we have a question from Twitter um, from SnoozeWCMC23. Um, Got to change that name. That's, that's, that's a lot. Snooze. If taking 100% of my income is slavery, what percentage is not slavery? Zero. Wait, wait. Say that again. Is this a logic problem? Like it's yeah. I mean, it's it's, kind of, it's more of a rhetorical. If question. I take if I take a hundred percent of your income, uh huh, then are you my slave? You're not free, right? So if you take if, a third of it, are you, what percentage of you are, are you a slave? You, is this like bringing yes. up this problem? Are you, are you what what are percentage you, of your income taken from you is not should not be considered. so taaxation is slave. Zero is the only number. Yeah. 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 That's what we're arriving otherwise at. we're just jerking around with where you draw the line. Look, yeah. if you are a slaveholder in 1840 and you decide, I'm going to let my slaves do what they want on Thursdays, <laughs> that That's, does not make you not a slaveholder. That, is, that does not make them free. That is right? like uncomfortably accurate in terms of this analogy. Like, Yeah. That's pretty good. That's a really good example. I like yeah. that a lot. If yeah. you're going to slice it in a percentage-wise, you're like, that's 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 alarming how much that makes you think about that in that way. Yeah, I think I think the point was, like, once you abandon your principles, you have to start compromising all I think he was making fun of my uh, vaccine example. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Could have vaccine. been a little bit of that. <laughs> oh, man. Mike, what... Uh, it's a big Seven. thing. It's it's a big thing trying to run for president. What what are you looking forward to most about the process? What I enjoy most is interacting with people, and that's always going to you know you can't get around that. Uh, you know, all the rest of it is sort of either window dressing or administration. Mm. You know, we all get creative about how we want things to sound and look, and we all have to go through the administration of hiring this or paying for that or mm -hmm. trying to fix some technological problem. All of that is in support of interacting with what we used to call human beings. <laughs> and, and the rest of it, you know, doesn't mean a hill of beans if I, I forgot this might still be a family show. It's not. The rest of it doesn't matter a hill of beans if not. we're not communicating with real people at the end of the day. That's what the rest of it is all about. Yeah. And it's best when you can do that, you know, by by looking at people. Mm. Uh, you need to be able to persuade them of your ideas and bring them along. And that's why we're all here. That's why we have a political party. What does your wife think of the whole process? Because mine, mine would be very hesitant to let me run for anything. <laughs> I think hesitant is a good word. Uh, she's extremely supportive. Okay. Uh, it turns out that 
she's good at it when, you know, when, when she joins up, uh, those are the best events for us when we can do them together. It's, it's not every event at, at this point, it will be in the future. So that makes every difference in the world, as you might imagine. Yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. I, I, I'm not going to spell out examples, but I'm guessing that everyone watching this knows what it's like when your life partner is unhappy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and so it's a, it's a big deal. And being on the road as much as, as I am, mm -hmm. uh, there are, you know, it is a challenge. It means that either she's going to be alone sometimes or on the road. And not everyone warms to those two choices. So yeah. the fact that she's been so supportive means a, a great deal to me on, on any number of levels. Also, interestingly, and I, I'm kind of hoping that she doesn't hear me right now. Uh, Nancy uh, has been in the past a registered Democrat. I, a lot of a lot of people have been right. I, I've heard that millions and millions of people are similarly afflicted. So we are slowly uh, transing her into uh, libertarianism, and it's a really beautiful thing to watch over the past couple of years. And you know, to your point, Jake, I'm so proud of her not because you know she's becoming a libertarian. That that's I mean that's cool, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, she's the kind of person that lives with her mind open. Yeah, I agree. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun for us uh, together because I got to be careful not to, you know, not to sermon at home, right? <laughs> and, uh, and you don't want that on your conscience. You don't want to, like, shift someone into something that they don't want. You want to just open someone up to choose what's best for them. Like, yeah, what happens if fine you know, line. she turns out to be a libertarian and then you find out it's only because I beat her into it. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you come yeah, back right. with, you're like, I didn't need the Corvette. I just wanted the Honda Accord, you know, and like you sold them on right. this other thing. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I, I'm, I'm in a similar situation. My wife was very liberal, Democrat, before before we started dating yeah. and that's right i forgot about that yeah not, she slowly transitioned over to basically f almost well you almost did live in los anarchist. angeles and... yeah oh boy yeah. And, and oh, of marrying scene. out of your station uh vicky is uh, uh nikki is terrific nikki. yeah nikki. Oh, she, she's she's I wonderful her vicky for reasons that are yet to be determined <laughs> but i didn't hold up my hand first so it doesn't count <laughs> yeah. nikki uh, yeah, she's it's, really uh, it's wonderful. been stricken from the record. Stricken from the record. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely uh, when we, when we ever, yeah, similar to you. It's it's better traveling with her and like going to events with her, and it's much easier. She she's a people person. I'm far less of a people person. I barely want to be doing this show. So like, <laughs> <laughs> but you're not uh, really with people. You're with his basement. Ian Alden and Zane <laughs> and Nick. Uh, that, I know if we qualify as people, you're in good company. Jake yeah, is like enough. a man of principle, and he'll be driven by principle enough to do people-facing things to yes. support the project. You know, like, that's exactly yeah. right. As soon yeah. as as soon as somebody else who can do what I do comes in, then I'll just go behind the scenes and yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't trust any one of y'all to do what I do. So. <laughs> oh no, I don't trust me to do it. Hey, Jeremy. Exactly. Yeah. Um I've I've got a question here. Well, 
I kind of wanted to get into some discussion here because I know oh, you're a. Uh, I'll you're be right back, guy, Mike. And uh, we've got this. Did, uh, I didn't hear you over Jake announcing he was uh, going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you're an economics guy, and we've got this uh, debt ceiling default issue yeah. coming up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Let's get into this. What do you think? Are we going to default again? Which they uh, I don't the first think time, or we will. Uh, you think they're going to raise the debt to continue to pay the debt? Uh, they will continue it because they both share an interest in both not being recognized as idiots by the American public. Uh, they share an interest in being able to borrow more money, too, which is yeah. something that we haven't really focused on, is that they both want to raise that sucker as much as possible. The Republicans just want to you know, extract a little political mojo from the process along the way. And and so does so does the White House. So, you know, we can appreciate that. But where where the interest who comes out winning is it who's going to move on it? Are they you know, no one ever actually gets a real deal. So is it going to be Biden get Biden and Democrats get their way or McCarthy's going to pull a little bit from them? Uh, it will be a compromise. He is going to get something from them. They have their staff, uh, respective staffers working on it. And and I think that that bodes well for a completely unprincipled settlement. So I don't really worry too much about the uh, prospect of a default. By the way, just by the way, uh, yes, it would be a shame if we had a default because the U.S. government makes a tremendous amount of money off of uh, having good credit. And if they have crappy credit, we're going to end up paying for it in higher interest rates over time. But well, number one exports the dollar, right? <laughs> so. Number one export is the dollar. It's a good business to be in if you can get it. Uh, printing money, literally printing money or, or cheaper than printing money. We just create electronically. Yeah. But it is it is not true that uh, a default would quickly and automatically doom us uh, to a recession. I believe that we probably have a recession coming next year anyway. And so this is a bit of uh, gaslighting to tell you that this is what would cause us to go into a recession. Right, because there, we have a yield curve, a yield curve inversion. So, well, and it, it depends on how long that persists, and you know it's not a very uh, steep one. So, you know, we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that plays out. But I do believe that we're going to have a recession anyway. And they're, you know, the White House is just looking for an excuse to pin more on on Republicans. I wasn't around for the question, Nick, so I don't, oh, don't have anything. About to, the, uh, yeah, you were talking we're about talking the about uh, debt ceiling the, default. Oh, the impending default, which probably wouldn't happen on June first uh, anyway. Uh, there's some reason to believe that it could possibly happen on on June second, but my guess is that it would happen even later than that they would stop paying certain people and shutting certain things down before they literally defaulted uh on the debt mm -hmm. it is not true though that a default on you know it would immediately lower our credit rating it would raise the cost of borrowing new money it would not raise the cost of the carrying the 30 trillion that's already on the books so it would take a while for it to turn into real money it is also not true that all of the other interest rates in our economy are geared off of treasuries. They're typically measured 
off of treasuries. And we talk about yield spreads all the time because we've always, you know, we've been conditioned over the last uh, hundred years to take American government issued bonds as being the, the bedrock lowest interest rate environment possible. And so we've always measured everything else off of that floor. But if, a, if that were to change, it doesn't mean necessarily that all of the other interest rates in the economy would automatically reset. I gotcha. Um, one quite one thing I did want to talk on this show of um, police brutality videos because um, they're rampant. They're always happening. It's something, something bad is always happening that, that somebody catches on video. I wanted to. It's awful. Ask- it's a good thing that it's caught on video, but it's awful that it happens. That's um, fair. Did we oh, find like it disappeared or, or what? Yeah. This, I think he might be audio only at this point, but he kind of fell through. I don't know what he was getting at, but yeah, there's. More, yeah, his point like more, is that more- a lot of bad things uh, do happen and, and recognizing, recognizing that uh, a big piece of that is the fact that we have more video capability than we used to. And we do have mainstream media in particular and, and a certain amount of uh, new media as well with uh, an increasing effort in, in distributing it. But having said that, there is far, far too much in the way of bad things happening in police work. I believe that we need to advance police culture to become more in line with community values. Mm-hmm. It is true that, that police culture has been going in the right direction over the past couple of decades, but, but too slowly. I think we would right. all agree on that. And there are some things that we can do about that right away, uh, both in terms of criminal justice reform generally, but also, and I spend a lot of time talking about this, uh, reforming the way we manage police officers. So in terms of criminal justice reform, yeah, you got to get rid of the war on drugs. That's a big one because that's where a lot of the oppression comes from yeah. in the form of police and other elements of our criminal justice system that just shouldn't be there. You know, we, we create through bad public policy, the black markets. And then, and then when we crack down on it, we pretend like we're doing something useful. It's really, uh, a shame, just literally a, a shame. Yeah. You create a problem, then you want a, an award for when you fix one example within that problem. Which is what like, you were talking about just a half an hour ago is you go down one rabbit hole and then you got to come up with a whole nother set of stupid ideas to, yeah. to fix that. The, it's like the Hydra head thing where then, and then each one has its own problems and yeah. Well, seen in the unseen, right? I mean, I mean, this is basic economics, you know, yeah. economics and one lesson stuff here. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, terrible. And in terms of managing police officers, the direction in which we have to go is to make it much, much more like other businesses. We need to impose market forces. We need to end up in a situation where, for example, good police officers make a lot more money and mediocre police officers make less money than they are now. And What a concept. That's interesting. Officers get fired. What's that? What a concept. Yeah. Or individual yeah. liability insurance, where someone who's getting sued all the time can't afford to continue. That's that exactly right. We got to replace qualified immunity with a with a requirement. Like, that, like that I points on your license because I mean I, I catch you know it seems like there's a lot of YouTube channels popping up that I I do catch a lot of, 
that are you know tackling this issue or playing some of these but there's also some that some people you know activists that go out there these you know some of these first amendment auditor guys um there's one that i really like that i've been watching fairly uh consistently this guy long island audit you know he he goes and he's a nice guy and (laughs) some you know sometimes you get the cops rolling in they're like yeah well you're doing what you do you know nothing you can do but sometimes you know that it's in there and it's like oh well we're gonna (laughs) You know, they go out, you know, they find any reason to arrest them or this, that. Like, I think he got arrested a couple of weeks ago in New York City for filming in one of their precincts. Yikes. And uh, wow. Did they actually do something illegal or do they make it up? Well, they, well, they have a sign that says you can't film there. And he said, well, this is a public place that I'm allowed I was, in so I can film here. And they said, well, you're under arrest, apparently. I was just going to bring up. They, it it escalated like, from zero to he played yeah. the video of it. And it was like a two minute video. Like it was like. They came in. They're like, "Quit filming." He's like, "Well, let's talk about this." And they they were yeah. like chasing them outside. And they grabbed him. They're like, "Nope, you're." I was just going to bring up the like absurd how quickly some of this. They should have just moved insane. him outside and had a conversation with him. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. he was. Yeah, of course, they shouldn't have the rule that you can't record inside. Because uh, if it's truly well, yeah. a private Even enterprise, that. then you can do that. But if it's taxpayer supported, it's a public place. I don't understand how you even feel you have the right to do that, but. The reason, uh, look, I'm not going to defend it, but I will share what the reasoning behind it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Police departments have, uh, I should, I don't know if traditionally is quite the right term, but over the last 20 years, since we've had a lot of video activity, police departments uh, have largely been told by their local politicians that they don't want recording going in there because there are people that come in there with very, very private issues. Oh, you got people coming into the lobby trying to report bad things that happened to them. Hmm. And uh, I mean, it's un- look, uh, I'm not trying to defend it, defend this. It's unlikely that this fellow was in there at the moment. Someone was trying to bring something to police attention. Right. I'm not, suge- you know, that's a long shot. Right. Right. Well, it's right. also that like, the, that's the he, reason. He makes it clear that like, Hey, there's, there's such things as restricted areas. And all you got to do is have a sign saying restricted and, you know, employees only or whatever. And then, you know, those kind of detailed conversations go on back there and then no one's going to care. The theory is that they don't want people feeling like they shouldn't go in the lobby because there might be somebody there with a, with a Mm -hmm. camera. And then all of a sudden it becomes known that they were there. That's the theory. I'm not suggesting it's a a good way to go at it. Right. Right. Means it means you gotta, and, and I've been in this position before, and so have other people. It means you have to be able to say, explain, right? You got to be able to go in the lobby and say, you know, I'm Officer Doughboy, and uh, you know the reason we have this policy is because people bring private shit in here. How about we go outside and talk about, you know, we can talk about anything you want to talk about, or my public uh, information officer, or my boss, or you know whatever it's going to take. Right. Happy to have a conversation with you, uh, but but that's cool and rational, you know. That's that's a whole different approach. Uh, I mean, he's got. You it know, is a different approach than than is so often the case, and that's unfortunate. But it's 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 wild the stuff that he pulls out though. Um, there was one incident I I watched uh, him in Connecticut, and he made a big deal because he ended up getting arrested by the same cops because he he stayed in the same town doing you know, he like went to the library and pissed them off there. And they threw the cops threw him out under threat of arrest, and then he pulled their body. I pissed off the librarian. What was he doing? Whispering too loud? <laughs> he, was, he was. He wasn't even talking to anyone. He was just filming. They didn't like it. They called the cops. The cops came mm-hmm. in. They they threw him out under threat of arrest. There's and a rule then, against uh, recording in the library too. Apparently, but they uh, 
but yeah, he pulled the body cam footage and uh, the one cop who's been around for, who was around, who was close to retirement there is like, you know, on the body cam footage, he's like, well, 20 years ago, he'd have ended up dead with his teeth missing. Ouch! Oof. That's and a tough so he, library. Yeah. And then, yeah. then a couple of days later, he got arrested in the same town. And so, yeah, it, it turned into a, it, it's insane. Some, some of the things you see still going on out there. Yeah, it's on camera uh, too. That, that sounds like a department needs a little bit more progress in terms of their police culture. Turn in your books on time, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what about four cents a day? Did you not understand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about my internet connection. It keeps That's dropping. Right. Yeah. That's okay. Once are you in civilization? Or you're not in Montana, are you? I'm in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Yeah. So you're in Oklahoma? Why? Because I'm driving Why? to Montana, and that's on the way. Um, it, so, yeah, I'm at a, yeah. I'm at a campsite um, in the middle of nowhere. Campsites so. are known for their good internet, though. Yeah, are yeah. You... She, she told me that she had good Wi-Fi. Not the case. <laughs> good relative to campsites, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought you had this. I had, thought you had the Elon Musk stuff. I do, but that's in Montana. No, it's not on the. You didn't stick it on the van. I thought no. Elon Musk provided service whereby which you might have to wait 26 minutes to get re-engaged. What? <laughs> Am I the only one who follows Republicans around here? Maybe. Might be. <laughs> Maybe. Are you aware that Florida has a governor running for president? I'm aware. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Still an announcement on Elon Musk Twitter yesterday. And it, and it crashed for, I guess it was 26 minutes. Is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. And he's trying to run while still being governor and all that. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I heard that Twitter crashed when they tried to launch that space. It's freaking hilarious. There it is. Uh, someone's on top of his game showing us the articles in a hurry. Also, why are you doing that? On Twitter spaces where there's no video, there's it's just you and two other. I thought that was a weird decision as well. It's like it's like going back to announcing you're running for president on the radio or something. <laughs> it's a radio in everyone's pocket that they're listening to all the time. It's right the, now, that would bizarre. be kind of cool, but uh, no, I, I think I would have chosen something with uh, with video. I thought that was a weird decision. He was yeah. trying to look high tech, but then you got to go for it, right? Right. Yeah. You got to set it up to where it's like an event, not just hop on a Twitter space, say I'm running for president, give a seven minute boring speech and then hop off like it's wasn't great. Well, Mike, it sounds like you have a bit of like an understanding of like how this should work in terms of like presenting yourself and making your case and like what media to use. And I'm curious how you feel about your your chances here and like your take on media coverage has not been super favorable toward the libertarian party in general, but in our day and age with the internet and podcasts and shows like this, do you not think you have... super favorable? Yeah. Actually. That's a generous way of saying. Yeah. <laughs> it, this but really you... is a family hour, isn't it? Okay. So it's, it's not super favorable. <laughs> yeah. We have um, some more colorful words we could use, of course. Yeah. Well, we're all on the same page. We know what we're talking about. Look, there are some things that uh, just do stink, and I get that, but there are a lot of things that we can do about it, too. Uh, for, for starters, you've got to – I don't even know where to begin because there's like three or four really, really important fundamental uh, concepts that you need to go after uh, in a real committed way. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing is that you need to lead with hard-edged policy that that differentiates you from the other parties so that you have a story. I mean, you have to be in the game. You have to be presenting an actual choice. Because if you're not, if you go in there saying, as we talked about earlier, I'm fiscally conservative like a Republican and socially liberal like a Democrat, you're sort of telling NBC not to bother showing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm not interesting. Would anyone like come interview me? <laughs> right. You know, just uh, tactically, never mind this overall strategy, just on a tactical level, mm. you need to message in a way that differentiates, even if you say completely moronic things, which I am not an advocate of, right? Right. But, but it, it works for, for Donald Trump. Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking the same. <laughs> you got to yeah. hand it to the guy. Uh, yeah. He presented a different option from the other people in the uh, Republican primary. Yeah, especially and when that, you have like 16 people up there and to really stand out. And he was a household name already. Everybody like. competed uh, for being number two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And that was that was real interesting. The other lesson to be learned from Donald Trump, of course, in stark contrast to Gary Johnson, who I, I, I have to admit, I mean, I like Gary Johnson. He's a nice guy. He seems, you know, he wears. Smart. He wears jeans with blazers, you know. He wears jeans with blazers. How yeah. bad could he be? Yeah. Uh, he was a governor and he and he you know didn't commit any felonies that we know of. Okay. <laughs> but damn it, he forgot something about Syria, you know? Like yes. Yeah. He didn't now, know mind Aleppo, yeah. <laughs> that if it, 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 I would argue that that's not the reason his campaign imploded. It did implode. The, the proximate reason was him forgetting what Aleppo was and thinking it was uh, some sort of uh, acronym, right? Right. And all of a sudden, everything just fell right off the edge. I, I get that. We all watched it happen right in front of us. Yeah. But remember what Donald Trump famously said about his own following. I could probably shoot someone on Fifth Avenue without yeah. losing uh, too much support, right? Not so with Gary Johnson. Let me go out on a limb with your audience and suggest that shooting someone on Fifth Avenue is worse than forgetting the name of a city in Syria. (laughs) And then there's the coverage. Not to mention that that whole question, when you look at in context, was kind of out of nowhere and non sequitur. And uh, you can't really blame a guy for... (laughs) for Of course it was. It was awful. But my point is that people knew why they were supporting Donald Trump They knew why they despised Donald Trump. Not so with Gary Johnson. He -hmm. was at double digits in the polls and had not given people enough reason to hang on to him. Right. If if Donald Trump is at double digits in the polls and forgets the name of a town in Syria, he's like, it's a stupid question. And everyone hangs in there because they know darn well why they love him. Yeah. And we need to give people a way to find us and a reason to hang on to us. And that means we need to stand for something. Let me give you an example. If if you want to tell people, I don't like inflation. Inflation's bad. People who give us inflation are naughty. And I'm a politician who's against inflation. 
Don't bother. Do me a favor and get the hell off my TV screen and stay home. Because I can get that from a Republican or a Democrat all day long. Even yeah. if it's true. You could be telling me something that's true and important. But if it's what a Democrat or Republican would say, why are you saying it? It's differentiating. So I'm like a logo Bingo. and brand designer. And so branding is staying. And now, some people have intuitive idea of like, oh, it's your market. Oh, I want to like beat that. I want to. It's like no, Apple is. The, you want to stand. You want to be different than. And I think the Libertarian Party kind of has like a brand conundrum, you know, up against itself there. Uh, I would say that the Libertarian Party has a brand problem. Yeah, conundrum might be the right word, but I would just say that uh, our party stinks at branding. Because yeah, we, trying to be nice, but yeah. <laughs> we we do not have the cojones to believe in our own principles. We we believe in our principles when we argue with each other, and then we send people out there to represent us that have no interest whatsoever in in representing those principles. And that is a real problem. So that's the first thing you have to do is to give people a reason to pay attention to you and hang on to you. Yeah. We've right. talked about the problem, like the fundamental issue among libertarians, or at least, you know, how I kind of feel is like that live and let live, like you free to do whatever, but as much the like shut down throat thing. And so you have two really squeaky loud wheels. And then there's the, it's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, like put that on anybody, but it mentally ends up falling a little in the conversation sometimes because of our own values sometimes. Right. And we think that, that saying live and let live is enough of a message as though the Republicans are going to go out there and say, let's shoot and kill everyone outside the United States. And the Democrats right. are going to say, Let's tax the shit out of everybody and control everyone with video cameras in everyone's kitchen. That's not how it works. You need a more sophisticated message than that. But at the same time, you need to be able to tell people the truth. You need to tell people, yeah, Social Security is evil. That's right. I said it. And anyone who says otherwise is not either not very smart or not being very honest with you. Or we're told that it's something other than what it is and we're misled and culturally is the problem of like and then just we think that it's safe because it's been here for forever and you know it's been here forever and it's not safe it's running off the edge and you need to decide whether you want to be on that vehicle or off of it and i yeah. say we give your grandchildren a way to get off of it and yeah. the same thing with our anti-war message this idea of saying oh you know we think that republicans are too hawkish and democrats waste too much money no War is evil. And anyone yeah. who says that it's okay to take your money forcibly and blow it on projecting military hegemony is not your friend. So we, we talked about this. Say that. We talked about this. I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. How would you feel, Mike, about like when it came time for taxes, if you were to check certain boxes and be like, war is not one of the things that I support with my taxpayer money at all. Like just not for that. You know what I mean? On an individual basis and let people choose what they want their money to go toward or not. Okay. If you're going to have taxes, you know, that, that, that would be great, but Zane's form is going to have everything crossed out. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's you know, he's going to be I... offered police. No water. Yeah. No 
He's going to write in the bottom, and you can take my sidewalk and shove it up. <laughs> right? That's what Zane is going to put on there. And, and I'm not sure he's wrong about Won't that. Well, get me started about those roads. <laughs> no more sidewalks, yeah. Right. And right, and sell sell the streets to someone who can charge a decent fee with a transponder. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's a wonderful concept, but a lot of us are going to be crossing off a lot of stuff. And that might be... It would be interesting to see what people, how few things people really cared about when it came to it. And it might call attention to just how big and ugly this machine has gotten. And maybe the way you go at that is with a referendum, because I'm not sure we're going to get the IRS for as long as it uh, survives. (laughs) Under my administration, we would sunset the IRS in favor of a federal government that was required to go directly to state legislatures to raise any money at all and have the state legislatures stand up on our behalf and tell them to go pound sand. No one would miss the IRS. As long as the IRS still exists, I don't think that they're going to go for your uh, checkoff idea as much fun as it is. But maybe we could go with a referendum. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you had, uh, you know, a state legislature, you can beat into it. Mm. Or maybe you can start with a county that would agree to holding a referendum that would give everyone a yeah, check start off. smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And let us know what you think is worth it. We're not going to hold ourselves to it because we're slimy politicians, but we do want to know what you think. I think people would like it if it saved them money and if it took less taxes, but then was more focused and efficient than yeah. I would be and for if, that. You know, at least the majority as a of people voted down blowing money on the, uh, you know, the new swimming pool. And so be it. Yeah. It'd be yeah. a reversal to like a bond issuance referendum. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Robert wants to know how does someone become a local volunteer for your campaign? You you call me. You go to the website. You can fill out the form, the volu- uh, the I want to be a volunteer form. It requires lots of information. You have to let us do a credit check, a background check. We send the FBI out to your home and they interview DNA you. Test, urine sample. And we need your social security number and your bank account and routing number. No, you can trust Robert. He was correct about the serving temperature of dark beer, so he's all right. Okay, all right, never mind. Yeah, uh, he's just fine. go to the volunteer form and fill it out. Or what I would do, because I'm not a big fan of forms, and I know Zane is not filling out any damn form. I know <laughs> that. Uh, and, and by Only the way, enter he, trivias, you know. If he did fill out the form, I'm afraid of what he would say in the free form box there. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you do, you do not want to hear my uh, no, exactly. So free maybe skip the form, go directly to my contact information. There's contact information for like six or seven people on our team, but you know, they're all yeah, who knows what they do during the day. Skip all those people, go directly to my contact information. And you'll see my email address and my phone number there. That's the real deal, by the way. That's my real phone number. That's cool. And my uh, real email address. If you call me on the phone, I'm probably not going to know who the hell you are. I may not answer it. But you could, you could text me. You could leave me a voicemail. Uh, I sometimes listen to my voicemail using the speaker function on my phone. So don't say anything totally obnoxious that Nancy would have to hear. Uh, <laughs> but you could leave me a message and I will call you back or something like that or text you back you could voicemail me i'll text you you phone call me i'll email you and we'll eventually figure it out do you have a pager <laughs> yeah <I got> <laughs> what if, what if, what if, 
What about a Palm Pilot? <laughs> a Palm Pilot. Wait a minute. Did you put my MySpace account up there? <laughs> That's important. Mike at AOL. Who cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, go to the website and you'll at MikeTremont.com. You'd have to spell it right, so that's tricky. You can also go to goldnewdeal.org and read about our platform. It's very exciting. It's so exciting it has its own URL. That's how you know. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean tried? I did. I put it back. <laughs> I did. I reached the wallet, uh, but I chose not to, to take it out. You know, Trump's Just got the, art of the deal. You've got the art of the steel. <laughs> pretty good. Just That's want everyone good. to know you can, yeah. you know. Yeah. I just want to know, uh, I want you to know that I can, and then I left it in there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. like, oh, good. So, if we've got a second, I want to cover a uh, some interesting little LP Twitter beef that went on this week. Great. Jamie, you want to pull that up? <laughs> no higher calling than to cover the LP Twitter fights. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. good God. Yeah, this one. Yes, Let's this one. Say, I, I may not be familiar with this. What's going on? Okay, so Jared Paulus is the uh, sitting governor of, uh, Colorado. of Colorado. And he's being pushed by, uh, you know, organizations such as Reason Magazine seem to really like him and call him the most yeah. uh, libertarian Yeah, I've heard a lot of people there. like him. I don't know much about him, but I've heard a lot of people um, like So LP Colorado was attacking him, which apparently they do fairly often because, you know, lockdown, uh, gun grabber. You know, nothing libertarian about the guy. Right. But, um, yeah, so there was and a good Twitter. Them. The LP Colorado people are very uh, <laughs> smart. They are good people. At least the ones I've met have been good. But, yeah, yeah. so they've been going back and forth there. And, uh, you know, the national account jumped in and was going at it. And I think some of the other state accounts were going at yeah. it. The Mises Caucus. You know, everyone going at it, taking swings there. Yep. And, um, you know, he's a big target. Everyone can grab a piece. He's a big target, but there's a whole lot of people LP related in the comments who are like, oh, you should try to talk to him on Twitter and convince him he's being wrong rather than calling him a tyrant like he is. He's a and sitting governor. Say, he's a sitting he's a, governor. Exactly. You're not going to be able to move him. He's committed to his policies. And by the way, even if his policies were wonderful, uh, you're committed to your policies because of everything that has led up to your election. You know, he, he's got some principles as messed up as they are. He's got a lot of supporters. People have supported him with their hard work, with their money, uh, with their vote. Uh, he's hired hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, to surround him, all of whom buy into this particular vision that he has sold them. No, he is not turning into a libertarian anytime soon. <laughs> and I do believe that, uh, although I haven't read the material, so don't get me wrong, uh, if someone said something uh, completely inappropriate, then that that's too bad. But I do believe that you've got to point out where a sitting politician is just flat wrong and the extent to which they are. This is what we're talking about in terms of differentiating ourselves from uh, these other politicians. Our job is not to find common ground with them. Our job is to show the American public where we have a hard edge, where it, we, you know, we don't overlap. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, where right, and I, I, I think these, I think these public spats, especially with governors and things like that, are only a good thing for the party. I mean, that shows the real differentiation. Mm. Um, you know, that's exactly a whole lot of, right. You know, they're out. You know, there's if you look through the comments, there's a lot of names that are LP related. Um, in there saying, you know, more concerned about, oh, you, you've uh, tweeted that he belongs in a cell, blah, blah, blah. How libertarian believing in prisons. Oh, look at you hypocrites. <laughs> it's like, well, well come okay. on. We're talking it's about a politician here. Metaphor, who, okay. Exactly. But also we're talking about a guy who, as I said there, you know, locked down his state for months, told people they were, uh, told people they were, um, non-essential non-essential that's the word and then uh yeah it's passing all sorts of anti-gun legislation as well as whatever else right so i mean but they got mushrooms if i mean you know yeah, violation G- of it violation of individual Alden always rights trying there to should find be the silver lining <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing yeah isn't that is that colorado wide or only denver no i think it was denver yeah yeah, it's just Denver. I mean, Colorado has some idiotic laws. That's one reason why we didn't buy land in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can get to Montana without driving through Colorado from Oklahoma. Yes. Yeah. Which I will be. But yeah. Yeah. I I just wanted to bring that up because there seem to be a lot of a lot of people in the comments who I know are LP related that uh yeah don't like no, the fact that we were picking example. A, and you uh, know what? God bless the libertarians who do want to reach out and find a conversation and try to convince people, because I think that that's a wonderful, wonderful attitude. And it is indeed the attitude that we need to maintain 98% of the time because we're reaching out to voters, right? Mm -hmm. Reaching out to to voters that we can sway to our uh, way of thinking, but just as importantly, recognize that we share a way of thinking and you're trying to sway them to to vote for us that's all good that's the right attitude but a sitting politician uh no politicians politicians are not leaders politicians are followers politicians are representatives of the people who support them Hmm. you quite literally cannot sway a successful politician and shapeshifters, they're yeah, they've already been swayed. They, and they will sway themselves. Sway. Exactly, they will into shift form. Exactly. Yeah. There's no amount of philosophical argument is going to push them in a direction that does not align with their political self. Because they didn't philosophically right. arrive at where they did. So I mean, the, they, the best yeah. interest, the best, I think the best example of that is uh, is that Donald Trump was the first president to be elected supporting gay marriage. Right. Barack Obama was opposing it in his first term. It's not until the Democrats, you know, swayed the other way that he and went Donald Trump used to be a Democrat. It, right? And then he and said that if he ran, he would whatever else. He, his yeah. political opponent in the election had attended his wedding as a friend. <laughs> yeah, it's all Talk theater. About shape shifter. I can't even yeah. say it. Talk his about his son shifter. is engaged to the to the ex-wife of Gavin of Gavin Newsom. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? His, his son, Don Jr., uh, his, is engaged to what? Kimberly Guilfoyle, who's like the ex-wife, I believe, of Gavin Newsom. Wow. Interesting. They're lizard people. I'm trying to get my brain around that. It's an interesting I family tree. The other day, I was like, what? And then that I sounds at it like because, something because Zane would hold it, up his hand for. Because if now. you look at it, you'll find, you'll find video of Gavin Newsom like talking somewhat half nice about Trump because there's a little bit of a connection there. Yeah. 
There's yeah. more of a connection than we're led to believe in a lot of things. Yeah. 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 Good and picture I picture Hillary, by the way. Right. Yeah, it was a hundred <laughs> years ago though. Yeah. He's I, already got gray Bill's yeah. already got gray hair in that picture. Uh-huh. Alden, I, I heard you mentioning earlier that when Trump like 20, 30 years ago said he was gonna run, he'd do it as a Republican. Yeah. And, because, but, because they're dumb. But not on principle, but on the voter, he could sway the voting population of the Republican Party and that he knew that would that was culturally his easiest ticket to winning. And he, tried to find that and he was right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dude, he was I, right. I searched for that video when he won or when he was running. I searched for it. Somebody yeah. like did a really good job of scrubbing that video from the Internet. Hmm. Have you seen the video of him serving in 1992 as his own PR guy? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's Have you funny. guys not seen this? You've no. got to see this. By the way, Elizabeth, your earlier comment was absolutely uh, spot on Lizard regarding uh, yeah, that one. the oxymoron of libertarian <laughs> yeah. uh, Democrat and atheist Christian. <laughs> Having yeah. been raised by a yeah. Lutheran and a Calvinist, I, I absolutely uh, appreciate that. That's and, interesting. And both of my parents are Democrats, too. So thank you for... Uh, all of that. You have got to see the video. I'll, I'll, I'll get a link to you somehow. I don't have it with me now. Let's see if you, Jamie can find it. Yeah. yeah. Get J- I think I called him Jeremy earlier. Get Jamie to find it. Uh, there is MSNBC broadcast it uh, about six or seven years ago, but it's been all over. It's a video it, it, it's a video uh, on YouTube, but it's only audio. Okay. There's an audio recording of Trump telling a reporter, I'm not Donald Trump. My name is John. Oh uh, yeah. The phone Miller. Call? Yeah. I've heard that. And uh, I'm, I'm Donald Trump's PR guy. And he starts <laughs> answering questions and, but he chose a great- new name. Yeah, he, he just says I'm I'm Donald Trump's PR guy. I'm John Miller, Interesting. and I'm I'm here to answer questions. And he talks about how great Trump is and how much action he's getting. <laughs> this is like dissociative identity disorder, almost like that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a joke. I, it, my friends and I have uh, an inside uh, joke. I like to answer the phone. Mike Tremont's office. This is Billy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, In case because, you know, I like to pretend like I'm so rich and powerful, I've got people answering my phone for me, right? Yeah, and if someone yeah. has anything to bad to it. say about you, you know, you don't want to dissuade them from telling you. You want the well, honest truth. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I've gone for 15 minutes with Billy on the phone, but it's only with people I know, right? Because it's <laughs> funny. I would never do it to someone I don't know, right? which is what Trump is trying to pull off. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play the video. Let's go for it. Oh, Zach. you found it? Looks like well, it. that was fast. Oh, yeah, play it if you want. It's hysterical. That was just a video about it. I don't oh, have the real thing yet. Oh, gotcha. Well, maybe the recording is embedded in it. You'll have to check that out. It's, it's good stuff, though. You, you'll really enjoy that. Mike, we yeah, had I, was, a, I threw up the uh, Wikipedia link there, Zach, if uh, Jamie, if uh, backing up what I said about Don Jr. Yeah, no, I, I saw that one here. I, I can share that one to the screen. Jake, what time are we going until tonight? Uh, we're we're running at the end right now, brother. Okay. Yeah. Because I got to pee my diaper yeah, so. here. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we're yeah. all we're all in. We're we're <laughs> we're we're at that point. Yeah, but we do have one question for you, Mike, from Sports Grumbling <laughs> on, <laughs> Twitter, on Twitter. 
When are you coming to San Diego? Is what he wants to know. Uh, I was in the Sandy. I was not in the San Diego area last year. When am I coming to San Diego? I will probably not be in San Diego until January. I'm sorry to say. That's a mm. good time to go, though, when everything else is free. It is a good time to go. And I have not been to go. San Diego for quite a few years. I, I really like San Diego, and not just because it's full of sailors, not because <laughs> it has incredible views from that uh, park up on the big hill, the name of which I can't San remember. San Diego. <laughs> yes. And not just because it's got fantastic beaches, fantastic people, and fantastic weather. Uh, those are all terrific, terrific reasons. Uh, but this the you know the the culture there uh the conversations you can have i just find people that live in san diego to be so warm and welcoming i think it's i don't want to say a completely unique culture but it's it's a place where uh, you can really have uh a down-to-earth good time i like i'm a big san diego fan right on I'm not I don't know. I don't yet. know what happened to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening on my end. But yeah. we are. We're Oklahoma definitely coming to the to end you, of the yeah. show. Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> like you right now. If I can get a couple, a couple last last points here. All right. Yeah. Go. Go. Curious on a couple of things. Right. So we we talked a little bit about your messaging. Um, I guess how do you plan on reaching people? Right. I mean, you're going to a bunch of LP events, LP conventions. I was at. Uh, you know, I live in PA now. I was in Florida, so I, I in Georgia. So I saw you in Georgia. I saw you right. uh, in PA. Um, but how how do you reach out beyond our circles, um, especially with the alternative media that is available now? Um, On the other side of honestly, the nomination you're talking about. Yeah, well, even building up to it, I mean, you know, there's there's a, there's the opportunity to bring people in before. Uh, before we get into conventions to get delegates to, to win people, you know, bring people. There in is, I think that's the wrong strategy. There then, is. Uh, I think but, that's the wrong strategy. Let me explain okay. why. Uh, if I could just, what this if I could is just... all about is taking advantage of the opportunity to have a political nominee. In other words, uh, without the nomination, we could do everything that we would normally do anyway. You and I could be knocking on doors, getting on podcasts, uh, doing interviews in newspapers, passing out stuff in the Walmart parking lots. We've all done that. I've run for Congress before. I've done that. I've supported other candidates. We've all done that. And those are good things to do. I'm not poo-pooing them. Those are mm. wonderful things to do. This is about something that's a little bit different. This is about how do you take advantage of the process that the United States people, the American public, have through a variety of weird institutions put together as a process that has created an opportunity that's a different animal something different is going to take place on the other side of may whatever it is may 20th 2024 after the nomination there will be a different opportunity than the day before and that's because the third largest party in the United States will have a nominee for president of the United States. That inherently creates a different opportunity than the week before. Mm. The issue is how do you take advantage of that opportunity? Right. Cause Media the last thing I want to see whenever, whenever this comes down is, you know, hashtag let her speak, you know, 
whining about the debates. We know that debates aren't going to happen. We have to get media outside of it. And I mean, you know, facts facts are facts, right? I mean, the the chance of any libertarian winning is basically zero. I mean, it's not. I don't agree with that either, but keep going. I, I, Realistically, it's almost zero. So um, I don't, I don't agree I, with you, but keep going. So what we, you know, we have to bring the right message out, and we have to get it as wide as possible, and and build off of that. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that all has to do with taking advantage of the opportunity of having a nominee for the third largest party. That has to be what it is you're standing on. If you're doing the same thing June 1st that you were doing May 1st, you're doing something really, really wrong. Mm. Mm -hmm. You have to be taking advantage of the fact that there are only three people left. So you have to build a good story. We touched on a piece of that, which is differentiation, right? In Gary Johnson's case, he did several uh, things right. Number one, he was a candidate that was credible from the standpoint of public policy and a commitment to public service. So naturally a certain number of donors, a certain amount of the media were willing to give him uh, some deference. Voters were willing to give him a look. It's why he made it to double digits in the polls. He was one of the people I had seen on news at that time for the party. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah, I apologize. I couldn't hear. Yeah. Oh, I was he was one of the people that I'm one of the only people for the party that I had seen on regular coverage, main media coverage, as much as he was. Yeah, Alden, it was one of the first. Alden, you're breaking up a lot, buddy. Oh, no. Well, I think Alden's point, I think what he said was that he, he did get attention that a lot of other people didn't. Mm. And a huge piece of that was the fact that he was a very credible candidate because of his background. Mm -hmm. The very professional campaign that we're running in my two careers in public service are going to give us a swing at that. Mm. That we did not get in the last cycle because, and I do not mean this disrespectfully, but the truth must be said. If you're a media outlet, are you giving Joe Jorgensen an interview? Joe Rogan voted for her and refused to have her on. That's not what I asked you. <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just pointing. I'm putting out a fact there, right? And, yeah. and it is an interesting and good fact. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that Joe Jorgensen had neither the messaging, the campaign, or the personal background to pull off achieving the threshold qualities Mm. that American media, American donors, and American voters look for before they'll give you some serious consideration. It doesn't matter how good your philosophy is because the American public believes this is a personal competition. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're, you know, you could have the greatest philosophy since Gandhi, but if they can't at least imagine you being qualified to go all the way and running the White House... Why am I bothering to pay attention? I'm not paying attention because I'm interested in a philosophy lesson. I'm Which paying starts attention the- because there's a competition among credible entrants. And so we need to put forward a campaign that takes advantage of that and differentiating us. And so what we're giving the media is a credible, dark horse, long shot, underdog story. Hmm. 
That's what the Not media zero. liked about yeah. Gary Johnson, but found absolutely no reason to pay attention to uh, to to Joe as much as I like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Nick, you have any other uh, thoughts, questions? No, I mean that's the big thing that I'm. I'm just it is a big about, thing, you know. and it should be. I mean, uh, I hope you don't think I'm trying to blow off your question. I think that is the question, but I also believe that the type of campaign that we're putting together, uh, I got to be honest with you, is the answer. Mm. All right. Oh, oh, I hate to I hate to keep everyone around, but Brian asks a really really good question here. Let's we're hear it. I don't see it. In Georgia, in Georgia, we have a lawsuit threatening our ballot access. It will hopefully fail, but if it doesn't, I have to ask how much of your campaign will target Georgia in particular. So, the big issue right now is, um, yeah, I, the, the president. Are you aware of of the situation uh, there, uh, Rose a v. Raffensperger? Bit enough to understand the fundamental point of the question. It, Look, the, you need the to, presidential you need... races are only is going to be the only race that potentially makes a difference to keep the ballot that can qualify and you need to get to something like five percent i don't uh, know per- about it's going to be about two percent oh that's it yeah one percent of all registered voters would have to vote for the presidential candidate hmm. uh, it's only been done case, once in georgia okay in that Gary case uh, i don't think it warrants a disproportionate visit if we don't carry five percent nationally uh, you can have my house. All right. <laughs> I'll take it. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I like that a lot. <laughs> you know, we, we, we need to reach double digits in the polls on the off chance that there is actually uh, a series of debates. I, I tend to side with Nick on this. I, I'm not optimistic that there will be debates, but uh, the chances of there being debates is not zero. Uh, it's It's quite possible. It's also quite possible that to the extent to which uh, there are debates, that they're held in a fairly non-traditional way. I also believe they need to get to double digits in the polls fairly early uh, in order to take advantage of the media that comes with that per se. It's a snowball effect. One of the things that we didn't talk about is the tactic of spending money. Uh, One of the things that some of our uh, national campaigns have done incorrectly in the past is to spend the money evenly over a period of time. Instead of heavy up front. Incorrect. If you've got $400,000 in the bank, uh, you're doing something wrong. You've Mm got to spend that by Thursday at five because you need to get the ball rolling. You need to put a a stake in the front yard and understand uh, what that represents and let everyone have a chance at finding you. And so yeah. you need to do that early and make people believe that this is for real. So that has to, has to take place. As he also a, said the keyword believe. What's to that? believe too. You said the keyword believe. So like in just not creating, you know, the self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing of like, Oh, it can't happen or whatever. It's like to spend the money as if it's real, right? Don't hold on to the money for the next one or whatever. Cause then you're crippling yourself that way. Spend the money as if it's real. Build the groundswell and believe yourself and get others to believe because belief is kind of a contagion. You're exactly thing. right. There is no value in flaming out slowly. No. If you're going to no. crash and burn, you know, get it done in June. Then you're not a winner or a martyr. You're just forgotten, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> right. You know, roll it all out in June. If people think that that you're worthless and and they don't like your philosophy or the way you part your hair, you might as well find out, well, it's nice outside. There's <laughs> no point in spending your money evenly week by week all the way through October. I don't like how Jake parts his hair. Uh, it's, it's abysmal. That's why I don't <laughs> like being on camera. <laughs> well, y'all, I think I think that's about it. It's oh, my, uh, our co-host who's Nick. not here because, well, we had what? Steve's question. Okay. I had to figure out, I have to find where it's at. Um, no, we got plenty of time. We're only at 207. <laughs> exactly. Well, our, our co-host Steve, uh, couldn't make it because he had to go to his niece's fifth grade graduation, which is apparently a thing. Um, a thing. So he asked if we could ask. Nieces are a elaborate. thing or fifth grade graduation <laughs> are a thing? Both, I guess. Are a thing. Hashtag nieces are a thing. Yeah. All right. He asked if you could elaborate a bit on why living in separation is better than a national divorce. Yes. Uh, national divorce. Uh, look, that's a that's a term of art that some people mean one way and some people mean another. Do you mean secession? Uh, maybe, you know, that's what we should uh, tackle first. If that's what you mean by national divorce. Look, uh, people don't. Uh, there are a couple of problems with secession. One is that it's a political non-starter. People just don't want to live in another country other than the United States. When people talk about secession, they typically mean they want you to live in a different country other than the United States. So that's a problem. The other problem is that secession means uh, state by state breakup. And culturally, that does, this doesn't make sense. Uh, if you're going to break us up into two groups, or, or more than more than two groups, uh, you're you're going to have to split states, right? It, it makes no sense uh, to split up Oklahoma and Texas from California and Oregon, but try to convince Springfield and Chicago that they should both remain in Illinois. Or in my case, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, because mm -hmm. or in your case, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, that is a great example, <laughs> even though they can't even see each other over those godforsaken hills. No, nope. if I make that drive one more time, I'm gonna have to buy a new truck. <laughs> so anyway, uh, secession has some sort of what I would call administrative and political uh, problems. The other one is that for 99% of the American population, basically everyone but Zane, uh, <laughs> people still feel that there's a little bit of value left in, in, in the American government on a potential basis. Then on a net basis, the whole thing stinks and we'd be better off without it lock, stock and barrel. But people have not given up on the notion that there must be something right. that the U.S. federal government could do that would Is that uh, a sunk cost fallacy, out. though? Is that a sunk cost fallacy? Uh, it mm, may maybe, be. yeah. It may, it may be. But politically speaking, uh, without without carrying on the argument right now, let let me just force my way through this because we're at two hours and ten minutes, <laughs> and I know you wanted an answer. Uh, without without trying to settle the argument about whether we should all be minarchists or anarchists, <laughs> uh, politically speaking, even the majority of libertarians believe that. Uh, the world would be better off if we didn't completely sunset the United States of America, that there is still a modicum of potential left in our Constitution that's worth fighting for.
Mike, There's I, the... I, I'm, I've just got to say that I think you're a bit more of an anarchist than you think that you are. Because, <laughs> you know, go, going back going back to an hour ago, we were all sitting here agreeing how the correct rate of taxation is 0%. If you really well, believe you that, you, you can't have a government. You you can't have a government if you're not going to tax people. And I would say that you shouldn't tax people because, like, yeah. you you were also saying earlier how, like, if we're going to have a government, what it should do is like protect people. But the idea of having a government to protect people is, you know, logically inconsistent because the idea is that we need to prevent people from getting raped and murdered. So we're going to go around stealing from people and murdering them if they don't give us the money. <laughs> yes. Now, with, without without explicitly agreeing with you, let me flip back to Alden asking, you know, how we're going to message our way through the general election. The first thing we're going to do is to muzzle Zane, okay? <laughs> because he speaks so much truth that it's going to be hard to say, uh, you know, the kids in Antarctica are <laughs> attention to him. <laughs> so not, I, I never advocate any violence. I never yeah. do that. No, 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 no. We don't. Yeah. And, and neither do I, as far as you know. So as the idea you know. is... <laughs> The idea is in our in our platform in the Gold New Deal, the idea is to give states a constitutional vehicle for opting out of federal supremacy and to opt into uh, being able to pursue unilateral nullification so that to the extent to which there is a divergence between federal law and state law, you'd be able to settle it at the state level, including, by the way, and importantly, in state court. And in this way, you'd be able to chart your own political future uh, as a as a state. We believe that that's very important. We believe that some states will appreciate that. Uh, a lot of states won't, uh, which is fine, too. You do have an option to remain blind and silly. <laughs> but we believe that a lot of states will appreciate the option. And in the same vein as offering people an opt out from Social Security, uh, I believe that that is the way to begin the conversation uh, to give states this this option. It's much harder to argue against an option than it is to argue against uh, an order mm. or a proposal to just go full secession. Nice. I wanted to offer a, a take on Stephen's question from before about the like living in separation versus the divorce and more of a cultural than like the full on literal like secession thing, but just a cultural concept of like living in separation is like, Hey, we got to work this out. We got a kid together, you know, that kind of thing. And then divorce being that winner take all fight for everything. And, you know, maybe trying to have a little bit more of that, like rational compromise as opposed to that, like I'm right, you're wrong. And like, we're going to fight to the death on it, you know, as a, a, a nation divided as a concept. I, I get that. I'm not optimistic uh, that there's a, a dichotomy that actually works in in the context of political vehicles, because I I don't think I, I think the ship may have sailed or in sank. terms of the Democratic and Republican parties, and they're the ones that are propagating this uh, this idea that we need to punch each other in the face. They are, yeah, and that's yeah. reinforced by media, which you know is. It's I would argue circus, that, but... in, at least in part, it grows out of the media, but certainly there's an echoing back and forth between the parties and their respective... Uh, yeah, it's the chicken and the egg story of them. Who started it? We don't know, but it's definitely a feedback loop, yeah. That's ex that's, that is well said. 
and and this is of course this is where authoritarianism comes from in a democracy it comes from the idea that each party or one party or at least one individual right sells uh people on the idea that this individual needs more power i need more latitude I need more authority per se. And usually emergencies are the one thing that we, it's either war or a virus or whatever. And we're like, oh, we you have, have to because of this thing. Is that other yes. idiot coming to power? I'm here to protect you. Yeah. And they and use you, fear. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and to leverage that fear or at the very least that disdain uh, for the other side. And, mm -hmm. and that's what that is all about. Negative emotion, hate or fear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and boy, haven't the parties gotten uh, very, very good at leveraging that. And, oh, my and goodness. That. You know, you look at immigration as, I think, one of the primary examples where neither party seems to have a great interest in coming to any sort of an agreement. Mm -hmm. Whereas yeah. they, they do seem to each have, albeit polar opposite, an interest in keeping uh, the argument going. Mm. Fair for sure. Well, y'all, we're definitely going to end it there because we're way past time. Alden just had to chime in and ask another question. Um, Sorry. You can, blame Alden for the, you can blame Alden for this whole episode. Uh, but you know, it, for anything. everything we've been talking about. We hate Congress, but we love our congressmen, right? <laughs> we hate too much spending, but we like this particular program. We hate running over, but I've got one question left. Yeah. <laughs> it's the main theme. I'm the one that has to pee the most. I think. That's and exactly I ask the right. Like, yeah. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on our show, man. We really thank appreciate you guys. It. You're a lot of fun. Uh, we're Absolutely. doing it uh, next week at, at eight o'clock again. Hey, Is that right? Whenever, whenever you want to join, you are welcome to. Just reach out to the, reach out to Jamie. I won't no, abuse no your audience that badly. <laughs> we'll wait a while. All right, y'all. Well, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Be sure to tune in to the Free Georgia Podcast on Monday nights slash. Tuesday mornings um, and tune in next week. We'll be right back here 8 p.m. Eastern uh, for Liberty Libations. Uh, yeah. Go to MikeTermott.com to learn more about his run for president. And to free Georgia. And to free Georgia. All right, y'all. We'll see you later. Cheers. <laughs>